Three and out on this Wednesday. He has been Troop. I am Kevin Thomas. Glad you are with us. A lot to get to here on the show. We'll talk NBA draft, uh, which is coming up tomorrow. What do the Hawks do after, after their, you know, kind of a lot of reports out there about them trying to work a trade for John Collins. We'll look at the NFL as we're in the uh, kind of the, the throes of the offseason now. We looked at the NFC South yesterday. What about the AFC South? We'll look ahead to uh, to that as well. We'll talk some Georgia Southern football on the show as a lot of folks looking forward to the upcoming season there of Eagles football. So we'll talk about that coming up in hour number two. But Ben Braves fall last night 12-10. to 10. I guess they were playing football or something last night. Uh, they lose it 12-10. to 10. Ronald Acuna snaps out of it a little bit. We talked, hey, he was 7-42, of 42, goes 3-5. of five. Two RBI and a homer last night. Matt Olson goes deep twice. Uh, Spencer Strider didn't really look good, only went three and two-thirds. But offensively, do you mind losing a game to a good team like that where you didn't particularly pitch well, but 12-10, to 10, that's seemingly correctable. Obviously, hey, just don't give up. And you had multiple chances where you had the lead, and it just was one of those nights where, you know, it was a slugfest. You, you kind of take those more in stride than those two-to-ones where you just can't get anything going? I think you do, Kevin. I mean, uh, going into this year, you talked about how close uh, uh, San Francisco was with uh, with, uh, with the Braves, what, two and three in the wild card spot. How many runs given up? How many runs scored? You know, what the, what the home and away, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, win total was. But that was great baseball. Like, I, yes, you do want to come out on the, on the winning end. But, Kevin. About, about as exciting as it gets when you start talking about uh, as exciting as it gets when you start talking about a team like the Braves, I just think that twelve to ten, Ron Lacuna showed that look, man, I want to kind of be a part of this party. I mean, Matt Olson, but if you were a pitcher yesterday, you got exposed on both sides. On both sides, sometimes in baseball, we have to be reminded we in the bigs, and <laughs> usually Kevin, one guy gets hot, one or two guys get hot. Boom, boom, boom. Both teams bats are high. It's like, hey man, they say I hear to say when you when when you go when you know when you on the ball looks really, really it looks like a, you know, looks like a freaking, you know, a soccer a, a beach ball, ball out there. Yeah. Beach ball. And I think we got caught up in just like the runs yesterday. Like, yeah, you want to win the game. I get that part. But 12 to 10, that means that, hey man, San Francisco just was a little bit hotter. But I and I'm not, you know, congratulations to the Giants. The Giants, the Giants are in the same boat as like the same way the Braves. Are chasing the Dodgers? The Giants, are like, hey man, we can't let these teams. We can't let them get too far ahead of us because right now the wild card is where we are. Even though you got a lot of the season left, but great offensive uh, firepower yesterday, Kevin, from, from both squads. I mean, you love to see a guy like Ronald Acuna, man. I mean, obviously, Ken Griffey Jr. got the most beautiful swing I've ever seen. Ronald Acuna is, is pretty to watch, man. That thing is just. <laughs> and Ronald Acuna, once again, do his little trot. Does a little sidestep his little his little ice tray. Do you feel good for a guy like Ron Lacuna? You're building this confidence. Because you sure. know, this, you know, baseball is a game of confidence. He's gonna get a lot of at bats. Fair or unfair, you know, I mean, you know, he I mean, he's running out there first. Uh like I said, I mean, I got caught up, I got caught up in just I mean, I want I would have loved the Braves been on the 12, you know, 12 and uh the Giants 10, but Kevin, it was incredible to watch because the thing is, you're like, dude, these baseball scores can get out of hand in a hurry. <laughs> it used to be the days of, you know, a slugfest, 3-2, to 4-1, to one, you know, 4-3, to three, things of that nature. But 12-10, to 10, I'll take it. Obviously, Snit was like, look, man, I mean, hey, man, shout out to the Giants. I mean, they, they just had our number a little bit. If you were a starting pitcher, 
If you are a reliever, I mean, you kind of got exposed a little bit. And, Kevin, you always talk about strategy. If the game is kind of out of reach or how you're talking about dealing with the bullpen, you don't yeah. pull as many guys. Like, look, man, we, we're not going to win this one. So I don't really want to be wasting arms. Got a lot of the season left, but shout out to Ron Lacuna. Getting back into the swing of things, literally, uh, building some confidence. You know they're gonna need you. You're gonna need him to be playing a, a lot better with the games coming up. But shout out to the Giants, man. They handled business last night, but the Braves still had an incredible offensive showing. Yeah, look, and those are gonna happen. I think this is the kind of series the Braves needed ahead of the Dodgers series, no less, coming up this weekend. Uh, ben, where you had to get tested, you got to had to push up because again, we've seen it in the postseason, right? You can win games three to one, but you may have to slug your way to a 10-8 game uh, in the postseason, especially in one of those early rounds uh, of the postseason as well. So didn't have a problem with it. Uh, were there moves? Yeah, you can second-guess moves in every single ball game if you want to do that. Uh, but, hey, Matt Olson gives you two homers. Ronald Acuna gives you a homer. Most of the time, that's good enough for you to win a ball game. It just wasn't last night. Had a couple of guys that, uh, you know, Darren O'Day, don't know if he was necessarily the best guy to come in that situation. And he lost the, uh, lost the ball game. So, you know, Braves move on. We'll have it for you coming up 6.05 uh, tonight, 7.20, with the first pitch from afternoon baseball tomorrow for you as well. So we'll join you after the Braves are done tomorrow. But some other news, uh, they've been doing arbitrations uh, because of the, the ramp up to the season. They kind of spread out uh, the arbitration hearings. Uh, ben, Max Fried won his arbitration, gets about $200,000 more than what the Braves were offering. And to me, if you say, well, why didn't the Braves just empty the bank? For, for Freddie Freeman. Why are they worried about getting Matt Olson for eight years? Why are they worried about giving Acuna a 10-year deal? Well, Max Fried just won arbitration, right? That's a one-year, that's essentially arbitration, for lack of a better analogy, Ben. It's the franchise tag in, in Major League Baseball, except you can use it on a number of guys. Dansby had an arbitration case uh, come up this year, and so on and so forth. If I'm Max Fried, hey, I won a World Series. I was your best pitcher. Right now, I am pitching tremendously well. Right, as one of the best pitchers in the National League. He's going to get paid. We say, hey, what about this guy? What about this guy? Max, Max Fried's going to get paid. Have you seen the going rate for an ace pitcher? Have you seen it? Yes. Okay, we got to have money to do that. So, Max Fried's coming up. Austin Riley shortly will be off a rookie deal. Dansby going to be up uh, at the end of the year after he's this arbitration deal. Uh, is up. He's playing like an MVP, like an, I shouldn't say MVP. He is playing like an all-star caliber short. So, defensively, offensively, he's really come around. He's going to want to get paid. So, you have a couple of guys that are key assets to your ball club that are going to need to get paid. That's why you couldn't just bend over and say, oh, Freddie wants $40 million. Give it to him. Right? I mean, you had to, to look out. So, don't look at some of these and go, oh, Max Fried won arbitration. Yeah. Good for him. No, that is good for him. Yeah. That's also a sign that when it comes time to negotiate, there's going to be a few extra zeros on the end of that contract that Max is going to want, especially if he continues to pitch the way he's pitching. I mean, if I'm Max's agent, I say, look, look, man, if we go in at the end of the season and you're in the postseason again and you guys make it to even the NLCS, you're a step away from the World Series. You won a World Series NLCS and your numbers are off the charts, you are going to get paid in a big, big way and I think the Braves know this as well if they want to keep Kevin, give Alex Anthopoulos a lot of credit. His job is to navigate uh, the salary cap or, or lack thereof. His job is to make sure that guys are, quote, being taken care of. Because a lot of that, make no mistake about it, when people go, oh, 
How often does a general manager or, you know, how often does a GM deal with a, you know, with an agent? It depends on how good the player is. So he's in constant talks with Max Fried, agent, the guys that's coming up. But it's really just to keep the, you know, keep it, uh, you know, keep the, uh, you know, conversation like, like going. Because like you said, the thing about baseball is different. You can have arbitrations. People say, well, he only won 200000 Yeah, man, but. Somebody you, ruled in his favor. Exactly, that's a big and thing. You, and, and look, you're trying to get every single dollar. Because this is what happens in baseball. You go from being happy to get called up. To, to then evaluating how you play, to then evaluating how you play according to the position you play. If you are a pitcher and you start hearing Cy Young this and Cy Young that, well, that's rare. Not only to win one, to be in the Cy Young conversation. And a guy, Max Fried, who, once again, people, Julio Tehran, gone. Well, he's Mike, the ace of your staff. There's yeah, no Mike, question. Mike Fonavich, gone. Mike Soroka, hurt. Max Fried is saying, hey, man, I was thrust into this thing, and I have more than lived up to the billing. So, yeah, I'm happy that he won, Kevin. I think, I think if you are the Braves, you go, whoo, we can deal with 200K. Like, <laughs> yeah. get, you know, we, we, it's, it's, and the thing about it is, too, though, the one thing I can't say about the Braves is this. Even with Freddie Freeman, what they did for Ozzy, what they did for Ron Lacuna, they did not have to do it. As you mentioned, Kevin, did not have to do it. But they say, all right, man, from a perception standpoint, let's give it to him. Cool. Took care of Freddie Freeman. He just didn't take it. I don't know who's going to be the first big name to get that big money, but Max Free got a shot to be that. But once again, how other teams pay has nothing to do with the Braves. And I think that when you're talking about negotiations, sometimes we can say, oh, the whole BJ Benny. That's unfair. Let me help you understand something, man. We all have, we, if you ever bought a new car before, yeah, what you think is a good deal is not a good deal for me. Because when I go in there with that finance, whoever he is, him or her, when they get to say, yeah, Ben, uh, it's going to be, uh, it ain't going to be that a month. I ain't signing nothing. <laughs> so I, I just think that congratulations to a guy like Max Free winning his arbitration. But I think that the fact that these type of things be happening behind the scenes and it doesn't affect the, the, the locker room shows, hey, man, Max, hey, man, that, that, that wink, hey, man, we're going to take care of you when it's time to take care of you. Keep doing what you're doing because the longer you, the, the more you do this, huh? The more that, the more that, you know, the more them zeros get added on to that thing. But hey, man, that's I'm talking about money that ain't mine. But shout out to Max Free for yeah. winning his arbitration. Yeah, look, and you look at uh, putting together a team. You got a lot of guys who are. It's a blessing and a curse to have yeah. a team that is young, like the Atlanta Braves. We say, hey, we have you know William Contreras not making a whole lot of money. Austin Riley not making a whole lot of money, yeah. relatively, right? Yeah. I mean, and this is a guy that's played, uh, you know, MVP potential caliber last year has played really well this year. You got Michael Harris. He's going to be on, you know, rookie deals, quote-unquote, for quite some time. So you're good there. Dansby Swanson, if you want to keep him, he's going to have to get paid. Max Fried, if you want to keep him, he's going to have to get paid. You know who's on his heels? Ian Anderson in about another two years. He's going to have to get paid. So you have guys out there that, uh, Ben, are going to require big-time contracts if you want to keep them around. And I think the attractive part of it, is if I'm the Atlanta Braves, sorry, you have a real window where you could be really good for a really long time because you have a lot of young talent. Now, depending on the player, you could you go to him and say, hey, look around. Look at the talent we got. You know we're going to contend. You know we're going to compete. Can you take a little less? For some guys, they might. Other yeah. guys might say, nope, pay me my money right now. Come on. I, I, so... That's how, that's that's the game you play uh, when when you have a very young, talented baseball team. Is can you keep enough guys, given the economics of baseball inside your budget, to keep them around? And you know there are teams like the Pirates. Hey, once they get good players, 
bye. Yeah. You know, we'll 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 take that money and save it and put it in our pocket and not spend it on the field. But if you're a team like the Braves, you've upped the payroll. Are the Braves willing to swim in the waters of the Mets, the Yankees, Boston, some of those teams that are really going out there and paying, or can they make it work where they're kind of in that middle range in terms of payroll and still go out there and compete, man? Because you look at the core nucleus of this team. If you can keep it together, and that's a big if. I mean, Ben, you know this. It don't matter if you're talking about 54 guys, 26 guys, 12 guys in the NBA. The way the economics work, the likelihood of you keeping a core 9, 10, 12 guys together is very, very hard to do in, in, profe- in Major League Baseball and professional sports. So just know that, hey, Max Free's going to get paid. Dansby Swanson, you're going to have to pay him. How many guys can they afford to give big-time contracts to and keep that team together? Because if they do, they're going to have a heck of a, have a, heck of a baseball team no, I will for say, a long, long time. I will say this, Kevin. Look, sometimes we got to appreciate the glory years of the Braves. Because you can't pay everybody. And that's a good thing, by the way. Like, the only way you can pay everybody is everybody on that Tom Brady, I'm going to take less money. But it's the problem. Everybody don't make what Tom Brady make away from football either. Everybody ain't married to Giselle. <laughs> right? And I'm not mad at Tom Brady. But it's like, Kevin, if me, if, if, if this if this radio network, you know, was a, was a team, we all coming up together. Sure. And it's time for Kevin to get his money. We're going to do two things. Either we're going to say, Kevin, if you don't get the hell out of here, man, because you've earned it. Cause, sure. Because sometimes... <clears throat> You said, I just went to a certain website, and I, and I typed in Super Bowl rings. They have authentic Super Bowl rings on this website. So what are you saying, Ben? Everybody don't want World Series. It's great. It's great. But at the end of the day, you, I, can, I can go get me a ring and put it on a chain, but, de, but, de, but, de, but like you say, Kevin, well, but them decimals, now, you want both. No, no, make no mistake about it. You want both. But always remember, Kevin, if we said, if you, you're going to look back on this thing, because somebody, you always got a friend that says, Kevin, man, you gave away $50 million. As your As your friend, I would say, absolutely, I ain't negotiating for you. Absolutely not. Because this is the thing. What is the team that wanted to give you $50 because you want to stay with us? Win the World Series? You never know. But at the end of the day, you want to win a World Series. You want to have the best career you can. But well, that's listen, another wrench because a lot of guys on this team now have one. Exactly. But, so, the, whole, I mean, but the whole thing about it is this. Q Douglas, man. As many memories and as much money as you can because only one team can win it. You hope to be on that team. But, Kevin, if you walk away saying, dude, I walked away with this thing with $100 million. I understand huh? that, yeah. You start saying to yourself, the memories seem, seem a little <laughs> bit better with that because you are securing your future. They say the money is an extension of all the wear and tear and all it took to get there, play there, and play well. I think that you take the money even though well, I'm still mad again, uh, oh, I, uh, Freddie Freddie. I think there's going to be a couple interesting cases. Dansby, yeah. Atlanta guy. Yeah. Does he cut a deal? I mean, Matt Olson already got a deal to to, to come back home uh, and stay for, for the next eight seasons. Uh, Michael Harris, when he gets there, uh, and if he continues playing the way he's playing, I would imagine, given the current state of baseball, they're going to break him off something before he even gets out of, uh, you know, to arbitration, right? Before that even becomes an issue, uh, they could break him off uh, something. How much is the pull to stay in Atlanta, stay in a city you're comfortable, stay in a city you're from, way versus the payday elsewhere, i.e., would you take less money when you're played for uh, in the NFL? Would you have taken less money to play for the Falcons versus $10 million more million to go play for the Houston Texans or the Oakland Raiders, what have you? It just depends on where I am in my career. Well, I understand that. But, 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 but absolutely. That's why I asked you. I just, absolutely, because, because when, 
you know, I look at it like this. You know, if I'm, if I'm, sometimes, you know, when you first get to the NFL and all these different things, whatever, it's all about you, it's all about you. But you are the one in your family that gets to represent a certain level of sport or career. So I'm thinking about my family members that never got to see me playing things. And at the end of the day, Kevin, I'm still making way more than a king. I'm getting the king's ransom to play a child's sport. So, yes, I would have done it because the 21-year-old me and the 25, even though it's 25, 26-year-old me, is different. I can find me a spot that I want to live in for the rest of my life in a city like Atlanta. I get to play for my, you know, Atlanta Falcons. You know, have fun with it. And, you know, if, if that's where my career is going to end, I got that a part of my life forever. That That's, a, oh, ben, yep, form of Atlanta. That's, I would have learned how to, you know, leverage that in that city. Because you don't think that kind of stuff matters? Michael Strahan, he go from the Giants to Kelly and Michael to Good Morning America. <laughs> I'm telling you, being able to, so at that point, I would have leveraged it. And who knows, man, I might be, up there with old Arthur Blank and, and, and uh, Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Rubbing though. elbows with, uh, with Arthur Blank. Yeah. we got more to come. Speaking of leveraging money, the, the Live Tour is still in the news. And they got some good news that at least the golfers did on that tour today. We'll get to that next. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We'll chat with Fred Owens. Tomahawk Tate coming up. Final hour of the show is the Braves and Giants again tonight. Game 3 of 4. We'll have it for you at 6.05. Fred will join us top of the final hour. We've talked about... Just obviously leveraging the money. Uh, and that has been, I guess, the, the mantra of the Live Tour, Ben, uh, that has uh, come into play here. And a whole lot of talk about, hey, how are they going to make it? How are they going to do this? Uh, you know, what about these guys? Don't they care about playing in, in tournaments, this and that? Well, we just had the U.S. Open. I know everybody was, uh, that was not liking the Live Tour said, hey, no, those guys really were a non-factor. And they weren't. A lot of them didn't make the cut. Only a couple of them uh, were around for the weekend. And... And so on and so forth. Uh, the Live Tour guys are still banking, uh, banking money. And you saw Brooks Kepka leave yesterday. No word on how much he got uh, to get up out of there, uh, Ben. But for all those guys, more good news, I guess, for them. The Open Championship, the British Open, whatever you want to call it, uh, coming up next month said, hey, they can, they can compete. It's an Open Championship. If they qualify, they can compete and play. So, Ben, the whole thing was, you know, the PGA Tour sitting back saying, we have the high ground on a lot of this stuff. And this is how you know, I think, that the, the PGA Tour is worried about it a little bit. Again, this, it's not a coincidence that all the golf outlets are, are, are bagging on the, the Live Tour. What do you think? That, and they broadcast the PGA Tour events, right? I mean, hey, my employer wants me to go talk bad about the competition, right? But these guys that left say, look, I can make the money. Yep. And I can play in the majors because a lot of people said, oh, Phil just wants to play majors. Brooks Kapka, he really just wants to play majors. Okay. Well, why can't, if, if, if they're letting me play majors, why can't I do both, right? Why can't, I'm getting to play the majors, and I'm getting to pocket uh, huge amounts of, uh, of money at the same time. And I saw something uh, today that uh, was about uh, – the young man that was runner-up yesterday, and I, now I just it just slipped my that brain. Was Alatoris? Alatoris? Will Alatoris, and how much he's won in one year on the on the course, right? And he, I think he's won the second most or the most amount of money in one year without a win uh, on tour, and he's won six million dollars. All right, they play in Portland next week on the Live Tour in in Oregon. The winner gets four. 
So you're like, why are guys leaving? Like, Will Zalatoris, all year long, won $6 million. You win next week, you get $4 million, right? I mean, plus what they, they, a lot of these guys signed to show up. So I think if I'm the PGA Tour, that's what I get worried about because your leverage to me was, fine, they're paying you a lot of money. It may, people may not like it, but we have the events people care about, and you're not going to get to play the majors. Well, they're getting to play the majors. So... Can the live tour pull more guys with the allure of look? You can still play the majors; it's fine, and you can get paid. And I think to me, a lot of people look at the format right now and say, "Oh, it's fifty-four holes, a shotgun start, it's three rounds." That's not a golf tournament. I think one of the uh, golfers said that last week. Might have been John Rom. That's not a golf tournament. Well, if they keep pulling more players, who says the format has to stay what it is? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, and so my my kind of look at this thing with with the live tour is. Every time a guy leaves, I hear golf fans and the PGA Tour folks uh, kind of react like this way. Oh, well, I mean, you know, guess they don't want to compete. They want to go play in a uh, set-up tournament uh, where there's no cuts and everybody gets paid, and it's kind of an exhibition. And, you know, Patrick Reed's kind of a jerk. Nobody likes him. You know, Bryson DeChambeau's kind of got an attitude. He's like Mr. Long Drive and, blah, 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 you know, and, you know, Brooks, oh, no, who likes Brooks? Like, how many? It's not about who likes them. These are recognizable names yes. that are leaving the tour. And if you're like, oh, well, their, their prime is past them. I, I, they don't care. I, in today's age, do I care if I get prime Phil Mickelson or do I care that I have Phil Mickelson? Do I care if I get prime, uh, you know, Brooks Kepka or do I care that I have Brooks Kepka? I care that I have Brooks Kepka. I want the name, right? I mean, it's the same deal. Like, did, did the Tampa Bay Bucks care that they got prime Tom Brady? No, they wanted Tom Brady, although you could argue he's still in it. Yeah, He's still in his prime. But you know what I'm talking about. There's certain guys where you want the name draw. And, again, I think for, from my perspective, the PGA Tour is kind of sitting back like, oh, well, they're not taking anybody good. Well, they have eight of the top 50 players, at least by the world golf rankings at the moment. And don't think there won't be a couple more who look back and say, man, I played in Kentucky this week. It was a grind. I could have gone and played for three days and gotten $2 million. That's appealing to people, too. Uh, so, I, I, to me, I don't know when the PGA Tour is going to get worried. It kind of seems like they are because they are all about uh, the live tour uh, and, and talking down on it. But, again, you're not that far off from the live tour getting enough named guys that you would at least want to pay attention to it, in my opinion. Uh, well, and so, And they get to play the majors? Yep. I, I thought that was a, a another big announcement. And don't think Brooks Kepka probably didn't get a heads up on that. At the end, uh, you know, before he made that announcement yesterday, uh, I'm going to the Live Tour. Oh, are you? Oh, and I'm going to get to play the major. I already know that. I mean, that's a big, that's it. And I would imagine the way it's going, the Masters is like, hey, we're an invitational. We invite the best. We have rules that say if you're a former winner, you have a lifetime ex- lifetime exemption. There you go. I mean, I, I, th- it seems like the majors are saying we want the names, right? We want the names uh, to show up. And it's open, and they're going to come play. I thought that was big news for those guys who jumped over to the Live Tour that if they want to make money and play the majors, they're currently getting to do that. The PGA Tour has a really, 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 really bad PR, uh, uh, you know, really, really bad PR campaign going on for them right now. Because, Kevin, you knew this. Like you say, you go, look, man, they don't run that many, they don't run that many tournaments. And the PGA uh, had this thing of we expect them to be loyal. To what? Now, once again, two things can be true at the same time. 
I cannot like what the Saudis do to certain groups of people and their citizens, but also take the money from a tournament because at the end of the day, what do you think they learned? They learned from the PGA. How do you get these golfers to show up? Give them money. How much? Give them money like they've never seen. Because this is the thing. If the PGA was given that type of money, it might be something different. But this is what this is Brooks Kepler was saying. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me that, like you said, yes, you're going to have those fair weather fans that are going to make it a moral issue. Well, I, mean, I don't even know if that's a fair weather. I, I get it. If you stand on that and like, hey, they shouldn't course. be doing it, I, and I'm, not I'm with you on that. I understand that. My whole point is the PGA Tour has got an issue where they're getting outbid. They can't compete yes. with that financially. Yes. And you say, well, they're not worried about it. Yes. They're not. Why did they come out and make a big announcement? I say, hey, we upped all the purses for the fall yes. tournaments. We're, we added all the... And I think from the guys that were mad at the PGA Tour, I think if I was a Sergio or a Phil or some of these guys who have, you know, logged some concerns about the tour, I think they would look around and go, wait, so so you didn't get a new sponsor, and all of a sudden you have all this money that magically showed up for you to up the purses in these tournaments. Like, wh- mm-hmm. wh- where was that money that's before? Influ- and, so, and, that, and, so, and, that's and so I think they're forcing the PGA Tour to do yep. some things yep. that I but think will end still, up being beneficial. Once again, right? Okay. We start talking about pro sports. The the things that pro sports players have is leverage, especially when you're a big name. You know, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, and so, you know, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson, and, and and so on and so forth. Kevin, when all this jumped off, right in the media, we we are the we are the in between, but you know, for the players and obviously uh, the tournaments and the, and, the, and the leagues. But we we shape narratives too. So the narrative came, oh man, I ain't no way I could do ain't no way I would do that. Let me tell you something about that stuff. The same person talking about what they wouldn't do is not in the position to do it. They're looking at it from this end. And then somebody calls. Case in point, all the names you've ever seen as far as like big time broadcasters, Joe Buck and, you know, uh Troy Aikman, where they going? Gone. All of them though. Al Michaels, gone. Why? I want to say Al Michaels has been with almost every network he could and, and be the with. Thing is, <laughs> because, but it's the thing. Because somebody started coming with them greenbacks, and they got up out of there. The Thursday night football team, Tony Gonzalez, Richard Sherman, right? And people be saying, well, how could they? Because once again, people, look, we don't know the morals of these players. So when you start saying, oh, man, they took the easy way out, is that the easy way? Because if that's the easy way, boy, that's the best street you're going to ever drive on. And I think, too, Kevin, the PGA, let's just call it what it really is. They didn't have a plan. Somebody said, if the PGA is having a meeting, somebody said, I mean, what's worst case scenario? Well, I, they got some reports. They got how many? Like billions of dollars already stashed over here. What do you mean billions? Dude, you know who we dealing with? Like money-wise. <laughs> yeah. Like a bill, listen, a billion dollars of them is, not, is nothing. So when you start saying, they saying, look, man, it's different if they're going over to the live tour, you know, just to go over there. No, man, I'm making generational money. Some of these guys are saying, wait a minute, Phil Mickelson going to give him 200? 200. I don't even want to know what they were going to give Tiger. I don't even want to know. But whatever they was going to give him is a drop in the bucket to them. Brooks Kepka, no, no, no. Mrs. Kepka <laughs> said well, Brooks. Because, Kevin, let me say this again, man. Let me say this again. You can any look, people gonna come with LeBron James being one of the faces of Nike because of what China does, right? People still wearing them shoes though. And I think that what happens is I once again, I don't know these players, but I can almost and I'm not their publicist, 
But I can almost guarantee they're not doing this. They, they don't like the atrocities going on. But you can separate the two now. All money ain't good money, but you have to decide. Because like you said, Kevin, look, if you're a Brooks Kepka fan and, you, and he lose you as a fan, he didn't know you was a fan anyway. If Bryson DeChambeau lose you, he didn't know you was a fan anyway. But this right now does not have the same prestige and mustard had when it first happened. Yeah, people are talking about it, but look at the names they're getting. Brooks Kepkin went from talking trash about the live to and now he's a part of it, him and his brother, right? And I'm not mad at either one because the live tour is saying, look, man, we're trying to be – how do we get to the level of tournaments that the PGA does? We need the players. We, we don't want to go search for some uh, up-and-coming. No. Now, right now, Rory, he ain't with it right now. But the thing is, they punching them numbers, man. But you know who, but you know who this is really, really good for? Brooks Kepka's caddy was talking to Bryson DeChambeau's caddy. Yeah, man, they taking care of everything. Really? Yeah. Wait a minute. So they give they give me my money and they paying for all my room and board and everything. And if my and if you know the person I caddy for wins, I still get it. What? Yes. So yeah, Kevin. I, I, like I said, I know you got the traditional PGA too. But the thing is, the PGA has never been challenged before either. Huh? U- yeah. USFL is looking real good right now, but the XFL is coming to 2023. Now I got something to compare it to. There's nothing. There isn't a league to, to compare to the NFL or the NBA or the NHL or the MLB. PGA? <laughs> you got something. And there hasn't got, been. And, and there, hasn't, there hasn't been. Now, the live tour said, we can't compete with y'all. We just got that cheese. And most people can't compete with the dollar at the end yes. of the day if you got a whole bunch of We got more to come. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out, Kevin and Ben. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live as well at ESPNCoastal.com. And you can also see us live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, ESPN Coastal on YouTube, and you can watch the show uh, each and every day right there at uh, ESPN Coastal on YouTube. Ben, NBA draft is tomorrow. Orlando with the number one pick, the Hawks. Kind of in no man's land, just outside the lottery at 16, and a one pick in the second round at 44. I'm a big believer if you have a good team, draft picks don't matter in the NBA. Uh, but you got Chad Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Paolo Benchero out of Duke, Jaden Ivey uh, out of Purdue, a lot of younger guys uh, that are going to be drafted. I think Chad Holmgren, if you watched him play in the tournament, very good. Obviously needs to eat some steak, I think, if he wants to a make it steak. in the long run in the NBA. But it's kind of like that. New age big, right, where he can block shots, but he can also get outside and, and make you guard him on the perimeter. Yeah, Kevin, I mean, uh, shout out to, shout out to the, uh, these uh, Dirk and Whiskey uh, uh, clones. I said <laughs> it. I mean, Dirk, I mean, he really, he really like, uh, brought in the new age of the big man. I mean, all these seven-footers, Big Cat. You know, like Big Cat won, you know, uh, won the freaking three-point contest last year. Uh, Joel Embiid, I mean, he wants to be out there on the perimeter saying, come on, standing there at the three-point line. But I think the skill set – of a guy like Chet, you know, the home run. I mean, he's really, 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 really skilled player. But like you mentioned, Kevin, I mean, whatever he need to go. He don't need to talk to nutritionist. Seven to talk to foot, Z- one hundred ninety-five pounds. He needs to talk to Zion Williamson. Listen, bro, <laughs> you, you want to put some meat on your yeah, bones? Yeah, let me hold some. This, yeah, this, this. <laughs> but I mean, the thing about the NBA, which is different. I mean, the NBA draft, which is different, was it ain't it ain't as highly anticipated as it used to be. Like, because it's the thing we only and we only know about the quote, you know. American stars, you got some international superstar sure. that's going to get uh, thrust onto the scene. 
But uh, these guys are coming in, uh, re- you know, ready to be uh, face the franchises. Like, I mean, obviously going back to the Luka and, uh, you know, Trey Young, obviously I, I still think the uh, Trey was the better of the trade, even, you know, depending on who you're asking. These guys got to come in now, Kevin, ready to be the face, ready to let offenses run through them, uh, to be the vocal leader. And they 18, 19, you know, 20 years old, but – you know, shout out to the players now. I, I think I think uh, you know LeBron gonna have pressure on every player coming in at number one because they expect him to have that type of impact, which is unreasonable. If you're a big man, uh, I'm just saying. I mean, the days of a Patrick Ewing, a Shaq, those type of big man days are gone. Number one, guys ain't that big no more. No, by no means. And number two, the skill set is different. Guys coming in got to know how to shoot. I mean, I remember when Dwight Howard was the number one overall pick. I mean, obviously his days in Orlando, I mean, he was an incredible player. I mean, all-NBA defensive player of the year. I mean, he was a twenty, a 2015 dude, you know, easy. I mean, in the MVP rankings and things of that nature. But now, Kevin, you got guys at seven feet that want to handle the rock, that want to bring the ball up, that want to, that want to you know, uh, break guys down, you know, uh, you know, break guys down to get to the rim. But I just think that as long as you come in and can do – do certain things. Can you rebound? Can you box out? Can you shoot free throws? The three lost arts in basketball. Can't shoot free throws. Certain guys can't even shoot, period. And then you got no, no boxing out, no following your shots. You know, you know but, hey, man, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I do think the cream of the crop is the kid, Chet, Chet Holmgren. I think, I think uh, he's going to be a really, really good talent. But like you said, Kevin, I mean, 190 pounds. To put that in perspective. <laughs> Yeah, most pop. guys, most most DBs and receivers in football, high school and pro yeah. and college, are one ninety. So yeah. Cooper Cup, who is six two, yeah, J- weighs two fifteen. Yeah, Jaden Ivey, who is a, a a guard out of Purdue, he's six four, one ninety five. Chet Holmgren is what eight inches taller than that and weighs the same. Just saying. Oh, listen. Chet should already know this. But Chet would be my kind of athlete where it's like, dude, you need to put on weight. What does that mean? You need to eat. Okay, I can do that. Every time. Oh, I can do that. Listen, outside outside of the games, every time I see you, I need you eating because your metabolism is obviously through the roof, right? But this is the thing. Even if you gained, you know, 30 pounds, (laughs) you still ain't the biggest guy. Because, Kevin, you know what they're going to do. They're going to bang you. They're going to bang you a lot. So, Either listen, I always look at I, listen. I know it's crazy, but I always look at the guy's thigh to calf ratio. Like, do we got big? Do we got big uh, thighs? Do we got nice size calves? Chet has none of that. <laughs> Chet th- thighs and calves look the same. There's skinny, and then there's Chet. Like he is skinny. <laughs> but and mind you, listen. I know, I know what y'all are saying. Most guys in the NBA are skinny. Yeah, but most guys aren't a bean pole. He's going to have to get bigger because his real position at, in, in the NBA, he's going to have to guard Embiid. Yeah. He's going to have to guard Big Cat. He, you know, he's going to have to guard Wiseman. That could get ugly for him just from the amount of weight he's given up. And uh, he should wave bye-bye to being the best athlete on the court now. That's not happening anymore. So, I mean, he'll probably, he probably he got a shot to be the number one overall pick. We'll see what happens. But 7 feet, 190, hey, man, you, go, you, you know, I don't know what they've been feeding, man, but like you said, Kevin, listen, and if he's a vegan, I'm going to knock the hell out of him. He you better, he you need to put him something. on that Sam Howell diet. Just eat chicken chicken nuggets. Everywhere you go, you have a box. Put him, Every, put, put, put him, bring him to the meeting room. Yeah, that's right. You come and meet and you have some chicken nuggets. We'll call it the Sam Howell diet. 
just for uh, for him. But no, Hawks are going to pick 16th and 44th. Look, I I think at 16, you're hoping you get a guy that can come in and develop into a team player. And I know people, uh, you know, you know, point all the time and go, well, what about Kawhi? What about Tony? Like, yeah, there are guys out there that get the drafted later in the in the yeah. rounds. But to me, when you talk about come in right away, be impact players, most of the time it's in that lottery, in that top ten. And once you get out of that, you're taking a, a chance that a guy comes in and fits what you're trying to do. That's why I, a lot of times I say, Ben, unless you're trading a lottery pick, when you hear such and such teams traded draft picks, who cares? Like, it, 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 uh, I mean, the Hawks have signed people and sent them to a foreign league. Hey, we, 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 we drafted you, and we're just going to let you play in Brazil until we think you can play. Like, that, it happens all the time. So, uh, who knows what the Hawks are going to do. I think they're more likely to get better through a potential trade of John Collins, which has been heavily rumored, than they are anything that happens tomorrow night in that draft. we got more to come. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Sad news to report uh, there, Ben, as we went to break. We, uh, we checked in and I'll update. Uh, apparently, uh, Tony Siragusa, longtime uh, Ravens uh, defensive tackle, passed away at the age of 55, uh, entirely too young. But uh, Tony Siragusa, being reported by multiple outlets there, passed away at 55. Yeah, it's sad to hear. I mean, obviously, Tony Siragusa was one of those guys, Kevin. I mean, we think about the Ravens' first Super Bowl, him and Big Sam Adams in the middle. Uh, taking care of a guy like Ray Lewis and kind of one of the uh, kind of one of the first like real like personalities at the D line position. Really, really good player. Uh, you know, my condolences to Tony Saragusa's family, to his children, to his because like I said, we 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 you know our our lives and careers uh, become uh, hopefully healthy distractions for us. But my condolences to the uh, Saragusa family. I know that the Ravens family is really, really hurt. Definitely one of the uh, pillars of uh, of that Ravens organization. He's definitely going to be missed. Absolutely. And just a unbelievable, as you said, player on that Ravens defense when you talk about what people were talking about them. Uh, ben is one of the all-time great defenses ever Yeah, in the history of the NFL yeah. to go up there with the, you know, the 85 Bears. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of those steel curtain defenses. Yes. Like, the, these guys are right there in that main. And Tony Saragusa was the guy. And then went into uh, what sideline reporting. And I think Tony Saragusa was a guy that a lot of people related to, you know, as a sideline guy because he was just, yeah, hey, you, are you wearing a suit? No, man. No, 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 I'm also going to have my triple large, over extra long t shirt on. And I'm going to tell you what's happening here. And uh, again, part of a defense that, again, you could argue. Well, it's one of the best we've seen, especially in the last 15, 20 years, uh, to say the least. I th- and, and you know what, Kevin, you make a great point. We're talking about a guy like Sarah Goose and being authentic, being yourself. He was like, look, man, y'all want me to talk football or not? I'm the sideline reporter. Y'all come to me once or twice a game. Why <laughs> I got to be out here? Y'all up in that air-conditioned booth with y'all jackets off. You want me to be out here with a three-piece? No, I'm going to be down here on the field just, you know, interacting with the players, talking, you know, uh, you know, really taking in the atmosphere. But Sarah Goosa, man, yeah, he's definitely going to be missed, man. And uh, like I said, my condolences to his family. Absolutely. And that news just coming out within the last uh, 10 minutes or so here on this Wednesday. We'll take three coming up on the flip side. We'll also look ahead uh, here in the offseason, Georgia Southern. It's been a wild ride for the Eagles. What are they looking at here coming out of uh, the offseason? And we talked about the NFC South yesterday. We'll talk about the AFC South today. Hour two, right around the corner. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Great to be here with you on this Wednesday. Kevin and Ben, a lot to get to here this hour. We'll talk some Georgia Southern football. Also, who is the best team in the AFC South? We talked NFC South yesterday. We'll do it uh, again with the AFC 
here today on this Wednesday. And again, as I said, talk some Georgia Southern football as they head into year one with Clay Hilton. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But Ben, let's take three here on three and out. Take one. Deshaun Watson's team said they settled 20 of the 24 are settled with, I should say, 20 of the 24 complainants uh, against him. Do you think, I asked this a couple of weeks ago, and I'll see if you changed your mind this time. Do you think Deshaun Watson will play this year in the National Football League? Not a chance. Not a chance. I know people see that 20 of the 24 uh, young ladies who have, uh, you know, who have the allegations against uh, Deshaun Watson have settled. Now, Kevin, you... You know what it means. When it comes to settling, we don't know if he did or didn't, because we'll, and we'll never know. That's essentially saying, look, we're going to settle it out. You're never going to be, you know, hear, hear about this. But, Kevin, if you are the NFL, that's always working on his image, always working on his reputation. Trying all to about cater, the shield, right? All about the shield and, cater, and, and trying to cater to your female audience, both young and old. You have to suspend him for a year, because if you don't, think about this. He missed a full year last year and just signed the biggest contract for the most guaranteed money in NFL history, and he didn't play. So now if you suspend him for four games, slap on the wrist. Eight games, oh, I think you do this because you look at the contract of the Cleveland Browns. His first, his This year in 2022, he only was counting $1 million on the book, so it wasn't going to hurt them this year. The money doesn't kick in right. till next year. But from a perception, uh, it, uh, and you have, you have to do this because – the thing about a guy like Deshaun Watson is, I mean, he needs to know that there are consequences to the decisions that you make. He needs to know that just because you are Deshaun Watson, because you are one of the faces of the NFL, because you're one of the best quarterbacks in the world, you too have to feel the consequences. And what does it say for the other guys in the NFL, the guys that's in college coming up, that has that kind of talent, that, and I'm not saying they're going to make that mistake. You need, right. If mistakes aren't punished, they aren't mistakes at all. So I think from a from a perception standpoint, from a reputation standpoint, and making sure that young ladies know throughout the country, whether they watch football or not, we care about what happened to y'all, especially when it's one of the faces. I don't think he's going to play it down in 2022. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree because I think that was kind of the slap in the face of, hey, we're not saying you're guilty or you're innocent, but you have 24 allegations against you, which a lot of people would make the leap, hey, if they're, where there's smoke, there might be a little fire there. Uh, and you got the lar- uh, with that you got the largest payday in the history of the NFL. That's I think that's going to hit a lot of people the wrong way. So we'll see what the NFL does. I'm like you though, Ben. I I just don't see there's a way he could play in uh, in 2022. All right, final interesting take here. We're in the in the off season, and we've talked a couple of days here, Ben, about you know Atlanta as a sports town, and you know a lot of people do. The, oh, who's the Mount Rushmore of the ATL? Who's the Mount Rushmore of Cleveland? Who's the Mount Rushmore of what have you? So I want present-day Mount Rushmore of the ATL because I, I'm using this more as an exercise to see who do you think really is a star? Like, I, I, when I mean current day, like, who is still playing? Like, don't give me the Hank Aaron and all that. Like, current day still playing Mount Rushmore in Atlanta. Who do you got? Can you even give me four? I, I'm, I'm going to give you four, and I'm going to tell you why. All right, Ron Lacuna Jr., he's there. That makes right. sense, yeah. Trey Young, he's there. Also makes sense, yeah. Now, these next two are the ones that's going to be the hardest one. Some would say Grady Jarrett should be there, but this is the problem about Grady Jarrett, yeah. <laughs> Most people don't know Grady Jarrett if you put Grady Jarrett underneath his name. I was just in Atlanta. I'm driving myself. Oh, that's Grady Jarrett. That's his name. He has to be recognizable. So, I'm going to say this. If you put Grady Jarrett on the modern-day Mount Rushmore, somebody would say, 
Who's that guy up there with Ronald and Trey? And, and, right? That's, and, and, that's and, and, what I'm and saying. I mean, and I mean it and humbly. I mean, that's, yeah, that's and not I mean this humbly. Grady would go, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> and he would say that. This is what I'm going to do. Ronald Acuna Jr. has already shown young and up-and-coming, but superstar. Trey Young has already shown. I'm going to add two more. One from football, one from baseball. I think Max Freed could be up there because he seems to be a guy, right, Kevin, that's doing it, and he's doing it with the with the, with his long tradition of pitchers with the Braves. We've been waiting on who's going to be that next one. We talked about earlier the guys that we thought was going to be, you know, uh, you know, Foe Navage and Tehran, obviously Soroka's hurt, and then you got Ian Anderson. I think Max Freed. And I, and I know it's only been a year. I know. But I think Kyle Pitts could be up there. Because he's recognizable. Not because he's done it yet. Because, Kevin, this is the thing. This is the thing about Mount Rush. He's struggling to put Falcons on oh there. Oh, my That's God. It's, it's a struggle. It is. I mean, this is why I say it. He has one career touchdown. Yeah, he has you're one gonna career put, touchdown. You're going to put him on there. That's season stats-wise we've ever seen. But he's recognizable when you see him. Highest drafted, uh, you know, tied into NFL history. And he didn't have a lot of help around him. How the mighty – now, I know if, I, if BJ, BJ was here, he would try to put somebody from Atlanta United right. on there. But this is the thing. That's how far the mighty have fallen in Atlanta. At one point, of course Maddie Ice is up there. Of course uh, Freddie. Freddie Freeman is up there. Right? They're gone. In the same year they're gone. Boop, boop, gone. That's why I asked I the got, question. It's, it's, and, but it's I, hard. I will say this. Ron Lacuna, Trey Young, because they're established. Max Freed, because he's on he's on that upper, you know, uh, you know, he's rejecting that way. And I think a guy in Kyle Pitts who is at least recognizable. Cause that's the thing, Kevin. Outside of well, who else could you get on football? AJ Terrell? Nope. Cause I mean, while we know him, most people don't know who he is, and he's from Atlanta. So, I mean, could I have gone Ozzy? Maybe. Could I have gone Dansby? Maybe. I will tell you this though. And I know this is even quicker. Depending on how you keep going, people go, okay, man, if you took Kyle Pitts out, who do you get? Michael Harris? I'll I put mean, him up there. After a month? I mean, because this, this is the thing, Kevin. I mean, I'd be quick. Listen, all, I'm out Rushmore's, you know, you know, maybe we can have it to where, I mean, we have to change, we have to change some of these faces up here. Well, you know. <laughs> but, no, hey, but, 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 yeah, but it, in all actuality, Kevin, it's probably only two right now. I don't even know if you got four. You got some great potential. Uh, threes and fours, but they got to show along. If Max Freed, you know, ends up a Cy Young winner, oh yeah, put put him up there. If Kyle Pitts can become a you know a, a first team all, not a Pro Bowler because he was a Pro Bowler last year, and all Pro mean the best in the di- put him up there. But right now, so you have I, three faces and maybe a half of Kyle maybe, Pitts up there. Or, 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 or We're maybe, starting the or, or maybe we got the first ever. We got three faces on one. <laughs> like you start, you know, you got you know football. I don't know. It's just a blank. It is. It is. I, I, right now, we just gonna have to go with the, with the greats that's come through here. Because currently, I, I mean, we, if it ain't Kyle Pitts yet, could you put? I mean, you hate to keep going from. Is it Snit? Would yeah. you put him on there? I mean, could, that's a, you could. I mean, that would be interesting. Because. Cause Kevin, remember how we were talking about how many how many uh, guys in college football got national championships? We only said five. How many guys in the NFL got got Super Bowl championships? It ain't that many. How many guys in the bigs gonna win worlds? Now that you really start talking about rare company. Sure, he has a he. Snit been with the organization. Snit boy, that's gonna be the easiest face you ever made in your life. If Snit got to go. It's gonna be quick. <laughs> But hey, man, if we put Snit up there, man, I, I would, I would, I would not be saying he, he's more than earned it. Yes, I mean, yeah. Look, I, I, I asked the question because I was thinking about it. There's like modern day, like the with the departures of Matt Ryan and Freddie Freeman, like who you got? Obviously, Acuna and Trey, Trey Young are like 
you don't even have to think about that in terms of repping uh, the city and who's kind of like the, the faces of the town right now. Man, after that, it could be Kyle Pitts. It could be a number of people. I don't know. That's Max Fried's interesting. I think that I, I, I don't know if he's quite up there. He's on his way. Yeah. I don't know if he's quite up there. So your Mount Rushmore might, might be about half full right now uh, there in, uh, in the ATL. All right, moving along, Ben. Take three. Today, we love the holidays. Today is National Onion Ring Day. I might say some of the blasphemies here in this question, but are rings better than fries? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. Th- th- this is it's why. certainly gotten more popular, yeah, I will th- say th- this, 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 in the why. last few this years. The same way all fries are not created equal, right? We got certain fries that we like. Some people like some people like them real hot. Some people like them real crispy. Some people like them, you know, soggy fries. Some people like them seasoned. Some people like them crinkly. Some people like them curly. I get it. When you talk about onion rings, Kevin, there are certain places. Now there are certain places that got the real small onion rings. Then they got the ones that got the real big, gigantic ones, right? I was the reason why I would say because onion rings growing up for me. Like with us, that was always that. Oh, like wow, like dad, we can get onion rings, mom, we can onion because you're just used to the fries, right? And they're like, they got it's, onion rings is always they got onion rings. Usually, the onion rings that you like, if you had to pick, you're gonna go with onion rings. No matter, like think about this: if if you take your favorite onion ring and you take your favorite fry, I think you're gonna pick the onion rings because one, that- hey man, you, you bite into that thing, that crunch, probably got some type of good dipping sauce to go along with it. I know the French fries enthusiast, which is, I'm one myself, going to be coming for me on the Twitter sphere. <laughs> I don't care. Because, Kevin, this is the thing. You know that fries are readily available. Like, the ones you like, I mean, sure. they're readily available. The good onion ring is like, man, I was in this place one time, and they brought out this onion ring. I was like, goodness. Yeah, you got to take advantage. I, yeah, I, 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 agree. I, I, I think it is onion ring. And for those that say no, you haven't experienced really good onion I guarantee you. You haven't experienced really, really good onion ring. Because if you have, I mean, they come into your plate and you like rubbing your hands together, tell the kids, don't touch my stuff. Oh, my God. I, to me, I think it is onion rings because, like I said, Kevin, you don't eat onion rings as much as you eat fries. But the good ones, though, oh, yeah. I, they're they're worth the trip. I would disagree. I'm not going to say that the rings are better than my favorite fry. Favorite fries are definitely seasoned or curly. I'm not putting onion rings over that. But onion rings are... Very good. And it, it seems like they've become more popular the last couple of years in terms of like, hey, we got fries and you can or you can get the onion rings. But as you said, crispy, good. Uh, I've really come around to the uh, different steakhouses where you can get the onion rings that are, I don't want to call it you know, the name brand, but, you know, you get the plate of onion come rings, on. dip them in the, uh, what is on. it, the, uh, the spicy remoulade sauce, hold whatever on, they call on, it. Okay, I don't know okay, what they okay, call okay. it. Away from your favorite fries. You're at, a, you're at an event. Right. Right. They're, they're serving food. They ain't telling you what they got. If right? somebody put some fries in front of you, in front of you, are you, you gonna say, "Oh, thank you"? If somebody I mean, put the, probably somebody, mean fry, somebody I mean. put the onion rings in front of you like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm it's. A, I will say this: it's hard <laughs> to mess fries up. It really is. Like if you come and, to me and, and, and you there put, are people out there who definitely yeah. try. Like if you come, it's like eh, you know, most places I go, the fries are not bad. Like onion rings, like I said, when you get the good ones, come it's on. crafted. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. So it National is. Onion Ring Day, Let's live it. it. Embrace it, enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, again, I've got to. I was, I, I'm going to I'm, listen when I when the show is over. I'm going to research the biggest onion rings you can find. Hopefully, they're somewhere close by us. I was a, uh, a late adopter to the onion rings. I used to not care for them, and then you know your palate changed a little bit, and 
As I've got older, I'm like, you can't, you can't listen. Get your hands off my onion rings. The onion rings come down to one thing: the freaking batter. That's no, it. Well, that's true. If that batter's good, oh my god. Kind of like frying catfish or come something. On, like Kevin, then just, now, now, <laughs> we, now are we talking about? I think tomorrow. I think tomorrow's uh, fried catfish day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just making that up. If tomorrow was fried, like, really, if people were thinking, like, if you want to be a, uh, a, a the guy making the national calendar day, like, today should be National Cheese Grits Day. Tomorrow be like. Hush Puppy Day, and then Friday would be National Fried Catfish Day, and there you go. You got yourself a meal on all the days of the week celebrating your favorite foods. That's take three. We hit all the important topics today. It. Onion rings. Can we even come up with four faces legitimately to put on a Mount Rushmore, the ATL currently, and more? We'll come back. It's three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you all here, three and out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin and Ben, glad you are with us. We'll talk some Georgia Southern football here in just a little bit. Also, who is the best in the AFC South? Also, Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take. He will join us coming up top of the final hour. We'll talk some Braves baseball with him as the Braves are on this homestand, of course, with the Giants. And then, of course, Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers going to roll in coming up uh, this weekend, Ben. And I know a lot of people looking forward to uh, to that, hopefully not losses to the Dodgers, but the uh, the reunion there with Freddie Freeman and the city of Atlanta. We got caller on the line. Let's go to uh, let's go to the phones. Good afternoon. Welcome to Three and Out. How you doing? Well, good afternoon. How, How are you, you today? Go ahead, sir. Oh, oh, I, I didn't I didn't hear the response. <laughs> hey, I'm a big this is I'm in from Montgomery, Alabama. You, you know, I, I was watching the Auburn baseball game yesterday. And you'd think somebody on that Auburn baseball team or somebody close would be up at 3 o'clock in the morning and watching ESPN and could have got some of those commando stealth sunglasses or something for the outfielders. You know, the ones that you can look into the sun and go underwater with and that kind of thing. And and I don't know what happened. That sun must have been bright, 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 real, real damn bright out there yesterday because all of a sudden Auburn didn't even look like they could. I don't know. It was just one of them games, you know. They just didn't look like they could play. But congrats to the Arkansas team and Ole Miss for moving on. And uh, yeah, who's who's this AC guy? He's calling everybody out. It's obvious this guy spent a lot of time on a leather couch in a psychiatric office. You know, he's he's real familiar with the belt buckles of 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 a of one of them tie down jackets. You know, they they call them straight jackets, but in his world, it may be a cowboy jacket because he got tassels and you just tie damn knots in them behind him. But but this guy is all he's lost on a limb. Can't you see this guy this A C guy standing out there on the street corner with his black and white shoes on, trying to be James Dean? He got some black black you know, jeans on that kind of faded and hold out. Got his mama's Chrysler's panties pulled over like a s like a satin sweater with a pair of cheap sunglasses on and a gold chain a uh, 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 one of them pocket watches on a gold chain spinning it around. That don't make you a pimp, A C. Makes you a fool wearing your mama's crotchless. Makes you. That's all it makes you. And this 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 guy is out on a limb. You can't understand the word he said. Was he born in a fishbowl? He's definitely, uh, I think, familiar with the coffee. He talks very very fast. Uh, that, 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 that ain't coffee. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's mental disease. That's 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 at his finest. On a scale of one to ten, that dude's hitting a twelve point five. I mean, who who is he? One of Donald Trump's kids? I have no idea. I have no idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Appreciate the phone call. 
Hey, have a good day. Hey, you too. Hey, we got people taking run at hey, the. Man. No, I haven't heard from AC in a while. AC is listen. AC is competing for the uh, you know uh, the listener of the year right now. But obviously, he got some. He, he's in. Uh, he got some. You know, he got somebody. Uh, you know, uh, coming at him right now. But hey, I, I, listen. I love the healthy the the healthy banter back and forth. <laughs> AC, you got a fan out there. You are gonna definitely have to. Is respond. he a fan? I mean, I uh, he's a, he's, he's a, 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 a silent admirer at this at this point. A vocal admirer at this point. But uh, AC, you are gonna definitely get a chance to respond. The number hasn't yeah. changed. The station is still the same. But there we appreciate go. all the listeners on the. You know, uh, you know, make sure you follow us at Pigskin Radio, and uh, obviously we always stream there live on Twitter. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, and again. He was talking about the the the, the Auburn Arkansas game. Uh, the, I, we we've kind of called it the uh, the SEC Invitational out there uh, in Omaha for uh, for the College Baseball World Series. Been I mean it's what uh, Stanford was there for a hot minute. Yep. Somebody said, "Well, Oklahoma's there." I'm like, "Well, I mean, isn't Oklahoma basically an SEC team at this point?" They are. I mean, so I mean, to, I mean Omaha, what, Nebraska has been taken over by the SEC. I mean, Arkansas. Uh, you know, uh, you got Auburn, you got Ole Miss. I mean, mm-hmm. you got, you know, you got ten- oh, oh, that's right. Tennessee is in <laughs> Omaha. Just, I'm just saying, I, my fault. I, no, no, no. But I, I will say that, uh, you know, like you say, Kevin. Oh, uh, oh, Greg Sankey. He's already the most powerful man in college football. Now he's the most powerful man in college sports. No, I mean, I think he's the most powerful guy is. in college athletics. He There's is. no question. I mean, when you look at every sport. The SEC, I mean, every sport the SEC is, is definitely in the thick of things. I mean, you know, basketball, football, you know what they're going to do, track, well, I mean, here, baseball. I mean, it, 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 this is where I think uh, you could say, uh, in my estimation, you know, Greg Sankey differs from, like, the uh, the Mike Slives and the uh, and the Roy Kramers in, in front of him. Like, I think Mike Slive and, uh, and, and Roy Kramer obviously knew the power of the SEC, and I think Mike Slive brought the SEC network on and said, hey, there's an opportunity for us to boost – our reputation as a conference with some, and give at least exposure to some other things. But honestly, uh, Ben, since Greg Sankey has, has come on board, like you've seen the SEC take off. And I don't just mean in football. Obviously, football is the, the sport that, you know, pays all the bills and, you know, stacks up the money in the corner. But the SEC products uh, across the board have come way up uh, from, you know, the softball program. You see a number of them out at, uh, what Oklahoma City and the, uh, the 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 women's college World Series from men's basketball. I mean that used to be been an afterthought. It was hey, it's Kentucky and everybody else is going to roll the balls out and see what happens. If they get in the tournament, it's fine. But you've seen obviously teams Auburn make an investment in basketball. Alabama, Arkansas is back in the game uh, with with basketball. You've seen a number of teams really put that commitment in. Uh, on the basketball side, women's basketball side, baseball has just really stepped to the front. I mean, SEC baseball has always been nuts, but I think in the last four to five years, you've really seen it take a huge step forward where you've got a lot of programs investing a lot of money. So much so we're like, look, like LSU's got seven, eight, nine thousand a night. Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they're averaging, uh, you know, seven, eight thousand, nine, ten thousand fans to go watch college baseball. I mean, I, I give Greg Sankey a lot of credit. To, to me, from a total package, Yeah, I mean, oh, there, there's not a whole lot of messing oh, this, this was with, with the SEC this was, at all. Obviously, the best winning percentages in football is going to go to Alabama and Georgia. Sure. Across all sports in the SEC, who you think had the best winning percentage across all sports? Who you think is number one? You're going to be surprised. 
Did you just look this up or something? No, no. I, 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 I saw. I saw some like days back. So across all sports. Is this? this is this? And a, this, and this will explain. Don't say. Is this a trick question? No, no, no. This will explain. Like, is this a Florida Gators thing? No, no. no. Okay, okay. I'm just. I, this will explain their fan base. This is what they go off. Of. I, I, I had to figure out why they fans are the way they are. The, the answer is Tennessee. Tennessee has really. The, Tennessee has the highest winning percentage across all sports. Uh, you know, I think Florida's number two for this year. Yeah, for this for this year. But it's the thing, Kevin. Because I used to be like, yo, y'all Tennessee fans kind of rough. What's wrong with y'all? So then, once they put that out, somebody go, uh huh. Everybody trying to be like us, like uh, not, <laughs> not necessarily. Like we're not. Mind you, I am not taking away what Tennessee is doing, right? I mean, obviously, sure. got the best win across all sports. But the ones that everybody's known for, it's not the same thing. But hey, I, if you are Greg Sankey, here's the thing: my Florida Gators wanted wanted all the track, men's and women's wanted all in the outdoor uh, national championships, right? right? So they go, so they go something else under Greg. Even though Greg Greg Sankey, he's a commissioner, he gets the credit for it. You start talking about baseball, no matter what happens in Omaha, he can't lose because even if he, uh, his team doesn't win it, it's flooded with it. All these teams, right? I just think that if you are Greg saying you say to yourself, dude, we are really good across all sports, like dominant across all sports. So, like I said, Kevin, I don't know if they're gonna, you know, succeed from the from the NCAA. <laughs> well, but I but I but I do know that if he's ever wanted to have any leverage, because you know Oklahoma and Texas want to come over to the SEC. Now you look at the Sun Belt, huh? Look at look at look at other conferences adding. And two, so Greg Sankey is somewhere right now renegotiating another another contract. Got a chance to play uh, golf with him, not on the golf course at a, at a nice little at a nice little event. Cool cat, real whoa, cool. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean you got to play golf with him? Got to play, not 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 around the golf. It kind of like a putt putt kind of. You know, I was out. He was there. I, he I had, played I got, like a hole of no, golf. No, 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 like he played not, the whole thing with you. No, 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 no. no I'm like trying a, to follow what you're saying. It's like a little spot. Okay. It's Top golf. I think. It's okay. Yeah. I was there doing an SEC event uh, like about three or four years ago, and he was there. And mind you, I mean, he don't remember me, but I mean, mind you, I'm there just talking with him, chilling with him or whatever. And he's one of those people. He goes, yeah, man. Like people say, but he lives in a modest home. Like, yeah, he's never there. He's, he, he makes about, you know, three, four million. I said, listen, man, it ain't the money. Oh, he probably makes more than that. Yeah, it, it makes, it's what comes with, well, that was, you know, four or five years ago. <laughs> was, you know, but what I'm saying is, Kevin, like, and, and you know what he's the greatest at? He is the greatest at two things, hide and seek and keeping secrets. Nothing he does leaks. Nothing. And it's even when we were talking about going to 8 and 12 or 16, them guys meeting in, you know, private bunkers underneath airports. No one said a word. So I think the one thing you can appreciate about him, he does what he says. He's a great commissioner. He seems to be in line with all the other ADs in his conference. And, hey, man, look at Omaha. Look at track. Look at football. Look at basketball. Look at gymnastics. Look at swimming. I, there really isn't a, a a a sport that they're not. Yeah. Very highly competitive. Yes. I'm not saying they're winning the national championship yes. or everything, but it is is insane how good all yes. of the uh, of the programs that the SEC puts out there. In the most recent Olympics, the head, the coach of the track team, Mike Holloway, Florida SEC. Yep. Again. Well, I mean, I, I just look at it from, from a standpoint of, of, of Greg Sankey where he kind of came in and said, look, we know we're the best in football. Right? I mean, I think people, uh, you know, there, there's, there hasn't been much argument uh, about that when you win what? Some, what is it? Uh, eight of the last 12? Or, yeah. or 12 of the last 16? It's a lot. 12 of the last 16 football championships? Okay. 
There's nobody that's competing with us there. But I think he came as like, why can't we be good at some other things? Why can't we be good at, at softball? Why can't we be good at, at basketball, men's and women's? Why can't we be good in elite as a conference in college baseball, in, in, in college softball? Look, I, I, and I think they're doing it. I think Greg, a lot of reason is, is Greg Sankey came in and said, look, are we going to do it? Or are we just going to say we're the best? And I think, you know what I mean? And so I, I think they're becoming the best in everything, which should be concerning for everybody else in college athletics because, again, you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma, who, oh, by the way, if you haven't paid attention, they compete in a lot of that stuff nationally as well. Texas was out there at the College World Series. To Oklahoma has been competing for Women's College World Series National Championships. Oklahoma, Texas, solid basketball programs. Uh, so, look, I... I think you're just getting deeper and deeper and better and better, and the SEC ain't going anywhere. And I think Greg Sankey has brought this thing full circle. It's like, hey, we're going to dominate you in the big money sport, and then yep. we're going to dominate you on the other sports uh, as well and take what revenues we can from that as well, and they're doing a, a fabulous job. We'll come back. We've got more to come. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out, on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us here on the program Fred Owens will join us. Tomahawk Tate coming up in just a little bit. We'll talk some Braves baseball with him. But, Ben, we talked about the NFC South yesterday. What about the AFC South? I mean, Matt Ryan goes to Indy. Tennessee has lost a couple of their receivers, right? They're trying to replace A.J. Brown with someone who looks like A.J. Brown but doesn't, you know, don't know if he plays like A.J. Brown. Where do you see this AFC South uh, at this point? Is it good division, bad division? Uh, is it one that's uh, interesting? Obviously, Houston could be the worst team in the National Football League. We'll have to wait and see. But where do you see this AFC South uh, right now? The AFC South has been the same for the, for the last two or three years. It's the Titans' divisions to lose, and it's, the, it's, it's Indianapolis' division to step up. When I look at the AFC South, even when I played way back when in the early 2000s, it was it was it was it was Peyton Manning. It was Dallas Clark. It was Reggie Wayne. It was Marvin Harrison. It was Dwight Freeney. It was Raheem, it was it was, a, it was Raheem Mathis. I mean, it was you know uh, it was Cato June. Uh, you know uh, it was Bob Sanders and company. It was their division. You couldn't beat them. You really really couldn't beat them. But then we also had Steve McNair. You know we had Keith Bullock. We had Kevin Carter. We had Samara Rowe. We had Derek Mason. You know we had some big time players, but we didn't have Peyton Manning. The best team in the division does not have the best quarterback, which is usually rare. They have the best player in Derrick Henry. He is the best player by far in the division. Now, the wisest player in the division, that would be Matty Ice up there in Indy. I would say the best team top to bottom is Indy. The best player definitely uh, is uh, with Derrick Henry. The thing about the Jags is this, though, Kevin. The Jags have shown to be a scrappy bunch. They've shown that, look, man, kept Indy from going to the playoffs, held Josh Allen and company to six points. That's before Trevor Lawrence got Christian Kirk, got Everett Ingram, a healthy Travis uh, Etienne, right, Zay Jones and company. But guess what? Zay Jones has never been a headliner. Christian Kirk has never been a headliner. Everett Ingram coming from a bad organization. Travis Travis Etienne, this is essentially his rookie year because he didn't play last year. And you got He's fast, go- though. He's fast. Oh, my God, he is fast. <laughs> but I, the AFC South is always this. If you are Jacksonville, you don't go out and get the league leader in tackles from Atlanta, 
to not be able to tackle Derrick Henry. Traylon Burks replaced A.J. Brown. He is not A.J. Notice I said he replaced him. Not a production, but, you know, obviously being the number one. I would say if I had to rank the quarterbacks in the AFC South, I would go Matty Ice 1, Trevor Lawrence 2. Uh, you know, and then, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, and I don't know who the hell play for Houston. <laughs> the thing about the AFC South is always going to be curious. It's, real. It's, 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 such, it's a division that no, you don't have high-profile teams anymore. The Colts were a high-profile team when they had Peyton Manning and company, they had, and maybe even when they had Andrew Luck. Not, not, not so much. I mean, they've had three quarterbacks in three years. I mean, they had Phillip Rivers, three, you know, three years ago. Last year, obviously, you know, Andy. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, his name is slipping my mind right now. Uh, I'll come back. To, uh, what's the what's the quarterback that was uh, that went to the Washington Commanders? Uh, they had him. Uh, uh, not Andy Dalton. Came out of uh, North Dakota State. Big time player that came from Philadelphia. No, I do this every day. His, his name is slipping my mind, but uh, I, 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 just, I just think that uh, when you when you when you look at what this what this uh, what he, this, he uh, also had red hair. He does have red hair. I, I don't know Nick Foles. Nick Foles. I, I keep sure. saying Nick Foles too, but I, I can't even. It, it'll come to me. But I, 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 you know, I have a I have a brain fart every single every single show these days. But uh. No, when I think about the AFC South as a whole, I do think that if Trevor Lawrence had come, they can be a scrappy bunch on offense. They got a shot to make some noise in every game in the AFC South. If 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 Matty Ice is who I know he is to be, to go along, you know what I'm saying, with Michael Pittman Jr. and Jason. Oh, my God. I said, Derek, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Carson sorry. Wentz. Carson Wentz. I'm sorry. Sorry. Jonathan Taylor is the best player in the AFC South. I'm sorry. It's not Derek Henry. So, you give Matty Ice, Jonathan Taylor, you give him that defense led by Darius Leonard, you give him a guard in Quentin Nelson, you give him Michael Pittman Jr. and company, they got a shot to be really, really good. The thing about the Tennessee Titans is, no matter what, Ryan Tannehill is your starter. And as long as he's your starter, it is a question mark. He's good enough to win and he's bad enough to lose. He is not hot or cold, he is lukewarm. Think about the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are the most intriguing team in the AFC South because they have a lot of young players. No bigger question mark in the AFC South than the number one overall pick, Trevon Walker. We don't know what he is, and we don't know what he's going to become, but he's going to have to grow up really, really fast because Taylor Lewan and company and them tackles, they like, come on. That kid right there, no. I'm not going to let a rookie beat me, right? So you got, listen, the best coach in the division it's still Mike Vrabel. The only coach in the division to win the Super Bowl, Doug Peterson. The only coach in the division to coach two teams, Lovey Smith. Like, you got a lot of intrigue. In the, and the AFC South was very, very intriguing. I mean, Houston got Derek Stingley Jr. Doug got, Peterson, well, I guess not officially, but he's going to. Doug Peterson will have two teams. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Uh, Lovey Smith. Uh, if you're not counting the second Lovie, team, like when they I'm actually sorry. play Lovie, a game. Lovey I mean. Smith. Uh, uh, like a Tony Dungy, and no, I'm sorry, like 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 a Ty Bowles, you know. Uh, I think the only black coach to ever coach more than one team. Okay, there you in go. And I, and I think uh, Hugh Jackson did as well. So Hugh Jackson, Ty Bowles, and uh, Lovey Smith. But no, Kevin, the AFC South is always going to be intriguing. If you can, if you can, if you can uh, make uh, if you can make uh, Tennessee one, you know, uh, one dimension and throw the football to beat you, you can beat them. And the thing, uh, Jacksonville is going to have to prove that they belong because you got a lot of young guys. Who left, unfortunately, they got to get used to losing before they learn how to win. They're in the same boat as Atlanta, right? You better not lose to Houston. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's pretty much. Okay, think think about about 2021 for a second. Houston played Jacksonville the first game of the year. Everybody thought, oh, 
Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Mike, they're going to start off. They're they going to start off with a win. Nope, loss. <laughs> because Trevor Lawrence, listen, Trevor Lawrence had 17 picks last year. But that was a disaster. And, and that's you not that counting one. the ones that were dropped. So he could have easily been in the 20s. But this year, Trevor Lawrence got to take another step. Trevor Lawrence got weapons. Trevor Lawrence got to, got to play calling Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence in the AFC South. Problem is, Indy got a lot better. Indy got better because they added Matty Ice. Tennessee got a lot worse because they got rid of A.J. Brown. But Traylon Burks, Traylon who? He ain't A.J. And they lost Julio. Julio, gone. A.J. Brown, gone. Traylon Burks in, still got Ryan Tannehill. And, uh, you know, Honor Landry signed a, signed a new contract <laughs> as well in the offseason. Shout out to <laughs> – I, 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 I just think that for me, Kevin, no matter what, it's going to be the Titans' divisions uh, uh, to lose. Uh, and that second spot is going to be up for grabs because I do think that Indy might be the best team in the division. But but Mike Vrabel, to me, taking nothing away from Doug Peterson, I think he's the best coach in the AFC South. I think you gave Jacksonville what they needed in a coach in a stable environment. I think you gave Indy a solid leader in Matty Ice. I think if you can get a healthy Derrick Henry with that defense and make Ryan Tannehill take another step, throwing the football, you got a shot in Houston. May God. You think Ryan Tannehill is going to take another step? No, I said if. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, no. I'm just saying I, that's I, a big I, if then. Ryan, Ryan, Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill signed a contract extension with the Titans. To hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, we could all be so fortunate. I listen. I ain't mad at listen. I ain't mad at Ryan Tannehill. Just like you know, so just like I ain't mad at uh, uh, Kirk Cousins. I ain't mad at him. Play, get your money. That's what you're here for. But at the end of the day, Kevin, you pay quarterbacks to win you a game in the postseason. To win you a game, the team gonna win you most of them. Can he win you a game? The first play from scrimmage in the playoffs the, for the team that had the best record in the AFC. Ryan Tannehill did what? He threw a pick. First play on offense. Pick. And in overtime. All I'm saying is, if you are a Tennessee fan, do you love Ryan Tannehill because you have to? Or do you love Ryan Tannehill because that's what you got? I'm going to go with A and B. Because you be asking yourself, well, why couldn't Tennessee trade for Matty Ice? Oh, they wanted him. Guess who else wanted? Guess who else Tennessee wanted? Oh, they wanted Aaron Rodgers. Oh, make no <laughs> mistake about it. But it was like... Aaron Rodgers like, nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay in Green Bay. And if you've ever been to Green Bay, there's nothing to do. Unless they didn't change Packers football. I'm, I'm just saying, man, a lot of cheese or whatever they got. But I, I, just think that, I just think at the end of the day, Kevin, yes, give me the Titans, the Colts, and, and like I said with the, with, the, with the youth of Texas, just like I said about the, uh, the Falcons, uh, I'm, sorry, man, I'm sorry, the Jacksonville Jaguars, like I said about the Falcons, don't be bottom feeders. Because if you're number three, you say, hey, man, we could have been number two. Probably not, but at least you ain't number you, four. At least you can lie to yourself. If you are the worst team <laughs> in the division, you are definitely one of the worst teams in the league. The top, the bottom, the bottom teams in every division, they usually, they usually draft in the top ten, usually. So, we'll see. They already said they weren't going to draft number one anymore. So, you better not lose to Houston. You better not draft number two either. <laughs> we ain't number one, that's we number two. That's improvement. That's improvement. You're moving to number two. We'll come back. We got more to come. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We'll chat with Fred Owens, Tomahawk Tate coming up in just a little bit as the Braves and Giants get ready to play a little bit later tonight, game three of that four-game series. So we'll get Fred's thoughts on this uh, streaking Braves team uh, that we've seen over the last month. 
Now, what, been 17-3? and three? Is that right? 17-3? Yeah. and three? Yeah. Uh, in the month of June. So we'll talk to him about that. I'll also talk a little Georgia Southern football coming up in the final hour as we are into the throes of the offseason. Clay Helton's first full season upcoming. And what can he do to get Georgia Southern turned around quickly in an expanding Sun Belt? An expanding Sun Belt. That's got, and they play all the new teams uh, coming up here in in twenty twenty two. Well, Kevin, I mean, I, I think the I think the honeymoon is over. I think the rubber might meet about to meet the road. It's already about, over. Well, because, 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 because <laughs> the thing is, I mean, you talk about minus the teams that's coming in, right? Coastal Carolina, powerhouse. App is still the class of it, and and Louisiana is the defending Sun Belt champions the last two years in a row. You still got a nice little rivalry for that team, you know, up I-16. So I just think that for a Georgia Southern team, that's before you talk about, you know, you know, you know, I mean, uh, Southern Miss and you know, uh, Old Dominion and, and teams of that nature, you got to be able to deal with a team that's already been here on top of the new guys. You want to be in the mix, Kevin. You just don't want to be a part of the bunch. You want to be because if he can potentially have a Sun Belt championship game in his first year, talk about setting the bar high. Which, which I know the expectation. I'm, I'm really going excited to see how this offense is going to look for these Georgia Southern Eagles. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see how uh, they come out and play. We'll talk about it obviously coming up in uh, in the final hour of the show. But obviously, you said there's high expectations all the time uh, there when you're talking about Statesboro and uh, and Georgia Southern, and you're now in an expanded Sun Belt. And I would I would argue at least for the moment, it's the old East versus West thing. I would imagine the Sun Belt East is, at least for my money, a little bit tougher. Than what you're, I mean, you're at, you're adding most of the teams that are coming in. Plus, as you said, uh, App's been good. Coastal Carolina's been good. Uh, Georgia State's been a solid program. I know Eagle fans don't like to hear that, but they've been a solid program uh, for the last several years. So you got that to deal with uh, as well. So, yeah, we'll talk about it coming up in the final hour uh, as we, uh, we look ahead to Georgia Southern and year one with Clay Helton. Upcoming, Kevin. It's time to get right. I, I know. <laughs> listen, listen. I, I know Paulson is going to be rocking, but you know, like, like I know Kevin. That first year, you got fake have optimism, but have you know fanatics going on? You know, going on to Statesboro. Please be that. Please be the other GSU. Please find a way to be competitive, because Kevin, if it, if it gets uh, if it gets ugly, which we don't know. You know, those those cheers are going to sound like boobers real quick, and that just comes from a, a, a fan base that just expects uh, to be in the thick of things. But that's what you want, right, if you're uh, if you're Clay Helton, right? You want passion. You want people that care. You want be like, you watch any program where they're trying to turn around. What are they trying to do? Hey, we want the fans to buy in. We want dedication. We want passion uh, from all fronts. If that means I get booed, you know, hey, you know, I get booed, right? Means Boo we're trying me. to. No, I, I I just know that certain certain fan bases, Kevin, like you said, college football, especially from blue blood teams, no matter what, FBS, FCS, they expect you to get it done. They're not used to not getting it done. They're used to getting back. I mean, you know, shout out to Coach Lunsford, man. You know, former coach, man, he did some incredible things. But going from double-digit losses to double-digit wins and not really, like, staying up there, you know, staying, like, kind of like keeping everything steady, you will hear about it. But once you got players, you know, standing on top of buses – that's rough because everything, everything good and bad falls on the coach. Coach, Coach Helton, make sure they are in the bus, not on the bus. We'll come back. Final hour next. Welcome back to Three and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Final hour here of the show. Braves and Giants coming up once we're done here. 6.05. We'll have pregame coverage. First pitch 
at 7.20 here this evening. The Braves try to go back up in this four-game series behind Charlie Morton uh, tonight, but the Braves have certainly been on a hot streak as of late. Uh, 17 of their last 20 have gone in the win column. And joining us here from Tomahawk Take to talk about it and more good friend of the show, Fred Owens, joins us. Fred, welcome. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm trying to stay out. we got a cold snap out here in Abilene. It's only 97 today. And I think we're, we're living in that same territory uh, as well, Fred. You look at this. Uh, this Braves team right now, obviously they're playing a little bit better team in San Francisco going back and forth, but is what we've seen over the last month, obviously not 14 in a row, but the way they've been playing offensively for the most part starting pitching-wise, isn't that what we expected this team to kind of do from the beginning of the season? Well, it's what we hoped the team would do from the start of the season. We, You can't really be sure about things like that when you bring in uh, a guy like Olsen and you don't know what your pitch going to be your your fifth starter is going to be it's certainly more like we hope they would play this year um but again uh but we ran into some really good pitching early in the year and we didn't hit well against it and so we're just now catching up that's why we're five games behind Fred, when you talk about a guy like Ronald Acuna, obviously was been in, been in a really, really bad slump, was able to get, you know, kind of back on track. I mean, do you think – I mean, how long do you think he's going to be in this slump and how much are they going to need him down the stretch, especially uh, approaching the All-Star break? Well, uh, I tell you, every, it, without Ronald at the top, the game doesn't – the team, the lineup doesn't work. Uh, because even, uh, even with Harris, too – being the effective second leadoff hitter, and he's been a blessing to us. Even when he's that good, uh, you get run into Ryan the top. If he's not on top of his game, then the lineup sort of stalls there. Uh, the next row block is Ozuna, and I'm not sure how he gets back on track. He's always been a streaky hitter, and, um, you know, he's going to be hot, and he's going to be cold, and we just have to hope we can keep him hot. But Ronald at the top is the way the thing starts, and getting Ozzy back being Ozzy what he was because lineup's pumping now because Harris is kind of doing that job. We need Ozzy back to get that get that double heartbeat going like Doctor Who or something. We need to get the team going like that, keep it keep it from coming apart because otherwise the lineup sort of gets disjointed. Fred, you look at Michael Harris. Obviously, you come up and there's a when you're the top prospect, people expect a lot from you, but. This kid's been nothing short of what was advertised, right? I mean, he's come up, he's played hard, he's played great defense, and he's hit maybe better than a lot of people thought. I mean, uh, contrast that with the last guy you, you put out there. He's putting Andrew Jones' number on there and just could not hit enough at the major league level. How impressed are you uh, thus far that seemingly through about a month in the major leagues, Michael Harris has adjusted and, and, and earned his spot on this roster? Well, uh, Michael Harris, I mean, not that I don't want to – Say this the wrong way. Andrew Jones, Hall of Fame center fielder, um, and uh, one of the best that ever played the game. But Pache wasn't taught under Andrew Jones. He was kind of guided by Andrew, but Andrew wasn't the guy that – Michael Harris had Marquise Grissom. And he, from the day uh, Harris looked – or Grissom looked at him and said, I know what you can do, uh, at that point he began to learn how to be a major league player. Now – he came up, and, and Grissom told us probably excitedly two years ago or a year and a half ago that Harris was ready then. Well, he wasn't. I mean, clearly the pitching would have got to him then. Uh, but he's come up and learned that he doesn't have to hit the ball out of the ballpark. That wasn't Marquise Grissom's game. You put the ball in play, you put the ball in play hard, and if 
you're going to get your hits. And his his singles turned into doubles, and his doubles turned into home runs, and that's how Grissom made a career. And that's exactly what Harris is doing. He's taking the pitch, where it's, uh, taking the ball where it's pitched, hitting opposite field, not trying to unbutton the top button and send it send it to Marietta, but he's hitting line drives all over the ballpark. And guess what? They're going out. So uh, you know, some of the people on the lineup, not mentioning any names, are going to. Could learn could learn a lot by that, and and we would be a lot better off if they did. But Harris has really settled in well. He doesn't get in a hurry. He doesn't get upset. He plays older than his years, and I I think it's a it's a it's a credit to Marquise Grissom. Okay, Grissom taught him taught him the way he was supposed to be taught from the ground up, and 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 that was wonderful. Talk about a guy that's definitely settled in as well. Matt Olson obviously had some early season struggles. You know. Uh, you know, uh, you know, with his glove and seemingly got that under, got that under wrap. You see what he does. You know, at you know at the plate. Talk about him. Uh, you know, it's you know still still a lot of games going his first season as a Brave, but having to live in that or oh, replacing Freddie Freeman. How would you assess his play thus far? Well, you look. Uh, everybody, everybody misremembers some of the things that Freddie did. Okay, I love Freddie Freeman. Don't get me wrong. This is not this is not a shot at Freddie Freeman. He would tell you so himself. He wasn't great every day. Freddie, Freddie missed catches. Freddie missed, missed balls. Freddie had been on the team a long time before he became, he became the person that everybody remembers, which is the, the person in recent years. Matt Olson hadn't been around that long and has just come to this team, and he's learning this infield, and he's learning the people on the other end of this infield, and that takes time. But Matt Olson's a fine first baseman. He won a gold glove in the American League. He's going to win another gold glove in the National League. He's a good hitter. He's not a Freddie hitter, but he's a good hitter. He, he leads the major league in, in doubles with 27. Uh, he, he has 10, 10 homers, and, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, he, he struggled a little bit. He went into a little slump, and guess what? I remember Freddie going into slumps, too. We, we put this halo around people. We, we remember the great things and don't remember when they tripped over it. Olsen's doing really well. He's a fine first baseman. It was a good deal for the Braves. They've got him for a long time. And he'll be fine. He really will. Well, Fred, since you brought up Freddie Freeman, we'll just go ahead and ask about it now. Since the uh, the Dodgers are coming in uh, this weekend, what we, we saw the Jock Peterson reaction. Do you largely expect that to be the reaction for uh, for Freddie Freeman, or are there some fans that say, "Look, you essentially took about the same kind of money and you stalled and waited and talked about how much you wanted to be in Atlanta and and didn't get a deal done and left." Uh, you know, uh, they need to put that in their pocket. And, and sit on it. The, the idea uh, that they're going to boo Freddie Freeman is ludicrous to the extreme. It's absolutely stupid. If you're going to boo Freddie Freeman, go to another ballpark and pick another team. Freeman doesn't. Freeman played played his heart out for this team as long as he was here. The two sides could not agree to a deal. His agent, not Freeman, his agent tried to force AA's hand, Anthopolis's hand, and AA said, "I don't." Worked well with ultimatums and went and signed Olson. And, and Freeman was lost about it, but there was nothing he can do at that point. He can't stand up and say, my agent's an idiot. I can't, I'm firing my agent. He can't do that uh, simply because it's bad for business and bad for the, bad for the whole, whole system. He's in L.A. He's playing in L.A. Um, I, I wish Freddie Freeman nothing but the best, but to, to boo a man who, who led the team to, uh, to its first World Series since 1995, uh, is just absolutely foolish. You know, if you're going to do that, go home. Uh, 
pick another team, find find the sport, but play basketball or something like that where they they trash talk all the time. Freeman's a star. He's a stud. He'll always be a brave at heart. And if you don't believe that, you're rooting for the wrong team and the wrong man. Well said, Fred. And then, you know, you know, Fred, you talk about this team that's played extremely well in June. Going to be getting some guys back. I mean, going to get Rosario back at a certain point. Going to get Ozzy back at a certain point. You hope to get Mike Soroka back at a certain point, even though you don't know how he's going to be. If this team can maintain its winning ways and try to keep pace with those mess, how dangerous could they be post-All-Star break? Well, I think, you know, what when um, Alex said on the, in an interview on XM the other day that uh, uh, the Braves hope to get back uh, Mike Soroka, uh, Kirby Yates, and Eddie Rosario just before the, um, uh, just before the trade deadline. Uh, name me another team that's going to add those to that, that caliber of player, three of them, at the trade deadline. They're not going to do it. I saw today that Rosario's vision is being evaluated uh, tomorrow and that uh, he's hoping to be cleared to play or begin a rehab assignment pretty soon. Now, that rehab assignment is not going to be four games. He's going to take the full length of a rehab assignment because he's got to get these eyes right and he's got to get his swing down and all that. But, you know, you could have Rosario back by the, by the All-Star break or just after the All-Star break. Um, I don't know how Yates is doing right now. Soroka said in his last interview he's doing fine. But you're adding three major league starter caliber players to your, to your roster, and the cost is nothing. So I think those guys are critical to come back, particularly, uh, particularly getting Rosario back to give us a left-handed bat uh, to, to, to flip with uh, Duvall in left field. Uh, and, you know, stay, um, give us a, a more balance to the lineup because sometimes we're just a little right-handed. And, Fred, to that end, uh, just to, to follow up, how active do you think? I know Alex Anthopoulos has always kind of pulled a rabbit out of a hat that nobody saw uh, coming when it comes to those type of things. But as you said, adding those three guys, you know, Albies is going to come back, Tyler Matzik potentially coming back later in, the, in this year. Uh, are, are the Braves going to be active? At the trade deadline, and if, if so, where would you look to add uh, to this team uh, where you feel they're kind of deficient at the moment? Well, I, I'm going to I'm going to defer to a post that I've got that will be up later on today that said Alex on last Friday uh, talking to Jim Bowden and Jim Duquette said that if he was looking for something uh, right now, he feels like they need another left-handed bat, even even when Rosario comes back. So you look for another left-handed bat. You say, well, where that's, where's that going to play? Well, it's not going to be anywhere in the infield. So you're talking about left-handed outfielder of some kind. And, you know, there's sort of uh, three or four names that kind of fall into that group. Uh, Andrew Benintende is in that group. I don't know what he's going to cost from, from Kansas City if they'll trade him. Um, you know, I, if I was them, I'd trade him and try, try to sign him back after the season and get the best of both worlds, but that's one. That's another thing. Uh, Ian Happ of the Cubs is having a great year. He's got a year and a half of retainability, switch hitter, uh, not much of a difference in split, so you could look for something there. Um, Tyler Naquin's an interesting interesting bat out of, uh, out of uh, Cincinnati, left-handed bat, lots of thump, uh, Purely a, a, a platoon hitter, hits right-handers well, doesn't hit left-handers very well at all, but then that falls in with the Rosario thing as well. Uh, the only thing about Naquin is he doesn't play much center field, so we really want, we really want somebody that's more flexible than that, uh, which Hap is. And then the fourth guy I talked about was Anthony Santander. Um, I don't know whether the Orioles would actually let him go or not, but he's 27, nearly 28 years old, and he'll be, he'll be uh, a 
Uh, he's got a year and a half. He's got two and a half years of retainability, so he's going to cost a little more than probably Alex would like to have. But when you look around out there and consider that the uh, Padres are looking for outfield bats as well, I have, it's going to be pretty slim pickings, and the market's going to be pretty strong for outfielders at the break. Um, I don't know that – I'll tell you this. If he can't get it at a price he thinks is a good price, he's not going to just get a left-handed bat, get a left-handed bat. Uh, you know, you could go out and get a, a Ben Gamble or a Romel Tapia, and that really, you know, with all due respect to those gentlemen, that doesn't do us much good. Maybe they may do somebody else some good. So, you know, he's going to get a guy that fits. He's going to get it at the right price. And if he can't get it, he'll roll with what he's got. I would like to see him find a, find a third or fourth starter, kind of pick up some of the innings that, uh, uh, that uh, Strider's throwing right now because he's, he's thrown – he only threw 94 innings last year, and that was the first time he's – up past 50 innings since 2018, and it's the longest, uh, longest, uh, uh, biggest amount of innings he's thrown in his professional career and his college career. So I'm worried about stretching his arm out and, and wearing him down before the season's out. So I think we need to find uh, a starter who we can who we can throw out there and give us five innings. And Fred, with all that being said, I mean, obviously you look at what uh, you know, you look at what uh, Anthopolis was able to do last year, the trade deadline with Peterson, Solaire. And obviously, uh, you know, Rosario, your best guess. Do you think this Braves team can catch the Mets, you know, uh, with, with so many games left in the season? Or could this be potentially the first year with Snit and Anthopolis they have to go in as a wild card? Well, uh, we've, we've, given the Mets, we've given the Mets a pretty good head start. Um, and the problem with that is that, you know, when we get to the end of the year, if you look at the, uh, the Mets' schedule in September, uh, the, they're playing the same schedule we just played with the uh, with the Cubs and the Nats and and all the all the all the uh, sub 500 teams is who they get in September, and so we pretty well have to catch them before September. People talk about the head-to-head matchups, the 15 games we've got with them. Head-to-head matchups tend to usually work out as a 500 split. You don't usually gain a lot or lose a lot of ground on those. You you gain ground, lose ground by beating the other teams and if you can get a game or two on them in that in that 15 games, you do. But most of those are going to come out pretty well. Going to be a 500 split on those. Um, you try to take more, but you look at the Mets and you say, "Well, Scherzer, Degrom, uh, blah blah blah." Okay, but we can beat those guys. We've done them before, and their lineup isn't perfect by any means. So yeah, we can beat them. Uh, we just have to get them. We just have to win series, continue to win series, and continue to pick up a game a game here, then try to take more, try to take a series or two from the Mets and that's bet. We're good enough to do it. The question is, do we have time? And I, I can't answer that because it depends on injuries and it depends on everybody doing what they can do. And we all know that goes up and down. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take, our guest here on 3 and Out. Fred, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Always my pleasure, guys. Stay cool out there. Will do. Fred Owens joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back, react to some of what Fred had to say and more all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out on this Wednesday. We've got Braves baseball for you coming up in about, if I can do my math in my head, about 40 minutes uh, or so. We'll have pregame coverage, game three of that series. We'll also have afternoon baseball tomorrow. So we'll be on, Ben and I, after uh, the Braves and Giants are all done with game four of that series. And then it's right into uh, Freddie Freeman and Dodger time. And that's what uh, we got a caller on the line. Let's go to Travis. He wants to talk about that. Freddie Freeman coming back. Travis, what's up, my man? 
Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hey, man, how you doing? Uh, well, I was doing good till I just heard Fred and basically call me foolish or anybody that wants to boo Freddie Freeman foolish or say that they need to go root for another team. Like, that's not fair. They, I mean, we're always told that it's a business, it's a business, it's a business, and, and basically get that through your head. And then right when, you know, someone wants to boo or treat it like a business, then you're told to go root for another team. That's crazy. I think he should, Freddie Freeman should get a standing ovation for 60 seconds, 90 seconds, whatever it is, before the game. Everyone give him his moment. And then when he steps in the box, they should be booing him. He plays for the Dodgers. Well, I think that's. Uh, I think that the, the the Fred maybe be talking about those two separate moments uh, that you're talking about. I think if you just are all on him from the beginning, then you know that might be one thing. Look, I, I'm one of those where am I in the moment? Was I disappointed that Freeman wasn't coming back? Yeah, am I going to boo him uh, if I was in the stadium? To I probably can't. Uh, look, he he brought the city of Atlanta a title, which doesn't, as you know, have very many. So I have a hard time just booing him on that principle. Yeah. Now, am I rooting for the Dodgers to win? <laughs> Absolutely not. So I think that might be two separate things that y'all two are talking about. But I think the people are like, hey, when he steps up to the plate the first time, kind of the first official moment back, do you boo him in that moment when he's about to step into the, into the batter's box the first time? Well, Would I'm, you? I want to stick up for the people that want to boo Freddie Freeman and say that you can still root for the Braves. You don't have to go root for another team. You're allowed to boo. Uh, you're allowed not to boo, but you don't have to go root for another team, and I don't think you're foolish. <laughs> and, Travis, I mean, I, I agree with you, though. I think sometimes, you know, uh, we act as if I can't appreciate a person strictly because I don't give them a standing ovation. Sometimes I'm booing you to let you know how, how you know, it's like, it's like love and disappointment at the same time. Yeah, I can appreciate your contributions and the fact that you have the Braves, you know, get back to the top of the hill, but I, I can also – you know, I feel as though you kind of you kind of fooled me into thinking that you were kind of like above the business because you wanted to be a, a you know a, a Braves lifer. So if you do boo him, uh, I think you got just as much right, if not more, of a right to boo him, just just like anybody who's cheering him. Thank you, Ben. We gotta fight for the right to boo. I think that was a Beastie Boys song, right? Yeah. I <laughs> doesn't know about the Beastie Boys. He doesn't know. About I don't think he does either. I don't think he does either. Hey, man. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Uh, appreciate you coming in and calling with that perspective, Travis. We'll talk soon. All right, boys. Thanks. I hey, appreciate it. Yeah. Look, and again, I think fans are going to voice how they want to voice it. Look, I think maybe Fred took the line of it's ridiculous. I don't think it's ridiculous if you want to boot. Would I do it? Probably not. But, I mean, there's all fandom is an emotional thing. And people love Freddie. Yep. And he's not there anymore. Oh. And I think for the people that boo, they think, I know Fred said, don't blame it on Freddie, blame it on A. No, and, and maybe I'm wrong in this, Ben. Your agent is there to do what you want him to do. It, it, and I know he said, well, you can't come out and talk publicly bad and say, well, it was your agent. Yeah, sure you can. Of course you can. Sure you can. Your agent is there to do what Freddie Freeman wants to do. He's there to get you the most money that you can get. Yes, any good agent would do that, right? But if you go to your agent, Ben, if you, when you played football, if you went to your agent and said, hey, what was your agent's name? Joel Siegel. Joel, I really want to stay with the Titans. Yep. Make it happen. And if he said, look, they're not going to give you what you want, but if you really want to stay, this is what they're going to do. I think that's fair. I, again, you put the Braves in the corner thinking kind of what a lot of people thought. 
There is no way the Braves are going to let Freddie Freeman walk. So you throw out the ultimatum. And then if you're Freddie Freeman, I would be mad at that guy. I say, look, why, why are we throwing around ultimatums? Get the deal done. Don't put it in the, the don't don't throw it to the, the you know, hand down an ultimatum to the team. So I think there are people that are mad at the whole situation. Hey, Freddie, if you wanted to stay, you could have. Your agent listens to you, or at least he's supposed to. And we want you to be a Braves lifer. And I think that's the part of it that it, it's not that you, if you hate, if you boo, you hate Freddie Freeman. I'm, I'm more in, in your line, Ben, where it's like, look, if you boo, it's more a sign of respect of, hey, man, you left us, and we're the, we're, we're the jilted ones standing here at the house. Now, we, we found somebody else, and his name's Matt, and he could hit the ball pretty good, too. But, you know, I, I, I just look at it and say, look, I understand both reactions. I just think, largely, I'm not booing Freddie Freeman because, again, if you are a fan of a team in Atlanta, how many rings are floating around the ATL? Ain't many. There are not many. No. And he brought you one of them. Yep. So I think for that, he gets the Buck Ballou, Herschel Walker, Stetson Bennett treatment. Right? Hey, wherever you go, whatever you do, you brought a championship to the ATL. And, hey, don't like that you're with the Dodgers. But it is what it is at this point. I'm kind of over that part of it, but I know that's been a huge talking point of what's it going to be when he steps up to the to the batter's box for the first time. Now, I think the first time, probably going to, as Travis said, before the game, if they do something, probably going to get a lot of cheers. First time he steps in the batter's box, there'll probably be a step-out moment, you know, a tip-of-the-hat moment. I, I still don't know if if I could boo Freddie Freeman. Unless he hits a walk-off homer, maybe. But I, I don't know if I will, I will ever get to that point with Freddie just because what he meant, do I like the way he left? No, I think there's equal parts blame to go around to a lot of folks in that deal. Um, I just don't know if I could, I don't know if I could throw a boo at him. I'm not pulling. Look, listen, I don't want him to do well while he's with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'm going to boo. Well, Kevin, I will save my boos for people I actually detest, like the Yankees. Yeah, so, like the so Yankees. Every, so every 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 other Dodger gets a boo, or the Florida Marlins. Yes, I but, will save. But, but I will I, save I, my boos. I will say this. I will say this. There are certain players that you have a you have a different type of you know affection towards a different type of love towards. Like every every most Braves players, we're going to support them because they are brave. But they don't have they don't have that same you know uh, pizzazz like a guy like Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman was a guy that was there during the dark ages of the of you know when 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 uh, you know FBI agents walking in the front office. He was with the Braves then. Freddie Freeman got that co-sign from guys, you know, like Chipper Jones. Oh, yeah, man, he's going to be the next great one. Um, and he was able to become the best. He was the best first baseman in baseball before the Braves actually got. He was still really, really good. So what happened was, Kevin, we were saying, all right, not only did he give you a World Series, he gave you an MVP. So Freddie Freeman is that guy. It's just devastating. Certain guys, we start thinking that the business is above them. No, Freddie Freeman, he wouldn't do it. Because this is the thing, people. It wouldn't matter where Freddie Freeman went. It just happened to be the Dodgers. I mean, no. If he'd have gone to the Yankees, it'd have been well, equally it, it, as well, bad. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it would have been. But I, it, I, I he th- went to one of the two places as far as Braves fans are concerned right <laughs> yeah. now. That's about as bad as it gets. I, I, you're going to go to the Dodgers or the Yankees. That's awful. That's, I, all, that's all I'll say. I, I think the thing is, too, though, the booing is, is, is because that's how much Freddie Freeman meant to you. 
Like that's how much he meant to the Braves organization. That's how much he went. I mean, there are certain there are certain young people who got introduced to the Braves through Freddie Freeman. There are still people who say, "Hey man, he's still my favorite player. He just got on that Dodger blue. He's still the best first baseman in baseball. He just got on that Dodger blue." And that's the hard part about sports is sometimes as a as a player, you don't know what you mean to the city, to the organization, to the fans. And when you leave, it was devastation. What really made it crazy was he was one of the last big names to fall. Everybody else was going, 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 going. Where's Freddie Freeman going to go? Then Anthopolis like, look, man, we can't wait. Because Matt Olsen, he's getting looked at by those freaking the, the freaking evil empire. We got to <laughs> yeah. go ahead and get him. So then when we – it's almost like with Matt Olsen, because Matt Olsen signed while Freddie Freeman was saying, we like, oh, that's it. Like, Yeah, once that, know, once that trade happened. And, and, and to uh, me, yeah, that's dope. another reason why – People kind of like was oh Meadows what oh Meadows dude we got we got to have we we are the type of team to where we can't have an okay first baseman he's got to be top three top two and so in a sense they kind of put Alex Anthopoulos offered Freddie Freeman the biggest contract in MLB history for a first baseman so I don't know why people go, oh he wanted and it's it's the, Kevin once again we're not just quote analysts journalists fans. We are informed. We know what's going on. When that when his contract got signed, we go first and went what or what he got though. That's it. Not necessarily that's it. Yeah. But it's not like it oh, blew us away compared to what. So look, there are going to be boos because the disappointment is just like, you know, certain guys. Like I said, look, Freddie Freeman is about as close to a Chipper Jones player, caliber player. Because a Chipper Jones, good. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine if Chipper Jones would have. And Chipper Jones don't owe Braves, Braves Nation, Braves Faithful anything. But I think he like, look, man, I don't want to go nowhere else. Like, I, I understand. You know, I think his rookie year is the year they won mm-hmm. the World Series. So, for Freddie Freeman, it's going to be bittersweet because he's like, dude, when the Braves out there, man, you know, I mean, you know, little Freddie Freeman, little Freddie running up to dance. It's like, bro, it's like. Dansby was like, look, man, they should retire his number. Nobody else should get to wear it. Nope. I, nope. nope, now, nope. Now, that, now that I'm not, that I won't get on board with. Let me tell you something. To get a number retired, <laughs> I mean, you got to be, you know. No, I, and, and again, I know people, Dansby said that, and I was like, no, let, 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 let's calm down. I mean, we, we want to throw out number retirements and statues about as quickly as we hand out goat status and savage <laughs> status goat. and beast. Beast status. <laughs> he's a, he's we're a beast. We're going to end up with so many monument parks and, uh, and statues and all that kind of stuff. It's reserved for the best of the best. Now, look, I'm Freddie Freeman's a great brave. But the end of the day is you finish up in the Dodgers with the Dodgers. You sign another deal. Play till you're 40. You'll play about as long for somebody else as you will for the Atlanta Braves. I don't, I don't know if that puts you in legendary status as far as retiring your number with the Braves. I, that's just me. Like, if, if if Ronald Acuna plays out this contract, then he goes and plays for another team for a decade. I, I, again, does that put number 13 up in the rafters as a retired number? I think it would be very close. But I don't, know, I don't know if you put it up there. I mean, you look at the guys that did it. I mean, John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, they're basically – they didn't, but they were 90% of their career was with the Braves. Chipper Jones, Braves life, or Bobby Cox managed the team – through the course of the most consistent run in professional sports, right, and, and brought home a World Series. Th- th- those are easy things to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm putting five up there. 
I, I'm not doing it. I, right, I, 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 I'm, I'm probably it's, not it's, doing it's, it. It's, it's, to get your jersey retired, maybe maybe they're retiring in high school if you were just that dude. But to get it retired in, in baseball for a team like the Braves? Well, I mean, if for they anybody. retire Freddie Free, hold on now. They retire Freddie Free. It's gonna be a lot of guys coming out of going to go ho ho ho. So I, let's let's. Look, I, I'm not doing let, it. Let's pump the brakes on retired numbers with the Braves because we will run out of them. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a bunch of well, 98s and 97s. Well, that's why look around. at the Yankees. That's why everybody's wearing like 56. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, at doing? the end of the day, you know, it's gonna be a bunch of zeros and double zeros <laughs> running around if we start doing that. So dance, I get I get the love and the, and the you know, but let's pump our brakes yeah. on that. Pump the brakes on on five to the Raptors. I I, I think had he played another contract around, had he stayed, no question, no question. But right now, not doing it. We we got more to come. Nine one two three four two seven one eight four nine one two three four two seven one eight four. Give us a shout. You can join us here on the show. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. You can also catch us streaming live ESPNCoastal.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Ben's in here during the break, bringing up. BJ slash Melvin and uh, and and Justin Upton to be like why are we why are we reliving those days? Wait, Living, re- uh, relive uh, the uh, glory uh, days. To my ugly, to my ugly days. Oh jeez, got ugly <laughs> when ugly was there. He got that big money and then oh he got this, oh ugly like you shut up and, and then a, then the Braves got <laughs> got to pay him to play for somebody else. Like, ugly, yeah. Uh, my key didn't work this morning. Yeah, uh, we need to talk to you about that. Dan, you're not hitting your weight. That's a problem. <laughs> I mean, he came over that one year after the after the Marlins and hit a bunch of home runs, and then it was it was just downhill from there. Listen, at downhill the end, at from the end there. Of the day, Kevin, the 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 history I, of the Braves is a beautiful one. I mean, I was just talking about you know you know Jerry you, Pendleton, Chipper, yeah, Austin you Riley. Can, you know what's insane? You can check me on this. As bad as Dan Ugla was, I don't know if it's the longest in franchise history, but Dan Ugla with the Braves had like a thirty three game hit streak. And you're going, bro, you're hitting 180. How is this possible? <laughs> I mean, but no, no, he didn't. No, he, I believe he had a 33-game hit streak. Somebody can check me on that. But a 33-game hit streak, and I don't know if that's the longest in Braves history or not, but it's got to be pretty close. And you would think the way the Dan Ugla era went in Atlanta that it wouldn't be. But I, I want to say he 33 games. Is that right? Oh, are you looking it up? Uh, I don't. I, I Dan, thought you were Dan, looking Dan, it up. Dan, Dan Ugla. I mean, you you have to wade through a lot of stuff to get to it. But I want to say it was a 33-game hit streak, and I don't know if that's the Braves' all-time record or not. Dan Ugla hit streak ends at 30, 33 games. How? I'm just saying. <laughs> That's the thing about the Braves, No, I'm just right? saying. I'm not saying. That guy has a 33-game hitting streak. Gone. Get out of here. <laughs> 2021, win-loss, 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 win-loss. They win the World Series. This year, can't win a series, right? Can't get out of their own way. Month of June, 17-3. to I'm telling you, this also with the Braves team, Kevin, the most exciting team in the last, what, two innings a couple of years back. Ronald Cooney Jr., his first full year in the bigs, almost did the 40-40. Like, the Braves have done it all, man. And with so many teams in the bigs that are just fillers, like, they're not going to be good because, one, one because they don't got the talent, two, because they don't, they don't have you – know, they don't spend the money. The Braves are one of the, one of the core fabrics of the, of the freaking bigs with teams like the Dodgers, with teams like the Red Sox. 
and the Yankees. Right? It was tied for the the 19th longest hitting streak in the majors. So basically, How? hold on. So basically, when Dan Douglas, when we would come up to him, 33. How about that? That is that is inc- that That's is the inc- long- it is the longest in Braves history. That, think about that. Dan Ugla is in the Braves <clears throat> history books. Wow. I mean, there's just sometimes there are guys that you look around and you say, "Hey, so and so is in the top five or whatever," and you're going, "That doesn't even make sense." That's one of those things. Like, you, you go you go on a rant about Dan Ugla, and somebody comes and goes, "He had the longest uh, hitting streak in Braves history." What? Yeah, the I mean, longest. 30, 33 games. He's top league. 20 all time in hitting streaks. Put some respect <laughs> on Dan Ugly's name. We put some zeros in his bank account. He ain't lying. He's all no, I gotta that, do is go to the bank. I mean, go to the go to you know, go outside and check check the good good mailbox. No, I mean, listen, guys have had runs with the Braves. It's just Dan Ugly, when it when it when it was over, it was over. It was. Boy, you just think back and go, how in the world? Mm-hmm. Like Dan Ugla's last couple of years could couldn't break two hundred. How did he have a thirty three game hitting streak? Dan Ugla is the epitome of good and terrible. <laughs> he is because he, when he was good, he was real good. But when he fell off, it's a, now Dan Ugla used to get booed. I mean, is there anybody else that's had a streak of some sort in sports where you're like, dude, like there's no way this is possible? Uh man. I mean, when you talking about like sports streaks and things, you, you you just shake your head and go. Yo, dude, how how was that? How was that even possible? Wasn't there a guy? Oh, oh, oh! It was like twenty for twenty throwing the okay, football. Okay, okay. Dwight Howard, right? When right. Dwight Howard first came into the league, right? I'm going first to assume this isn't free throws. And I think at one point, I think in like five years, he was on a, he was on a different team every year. Like a guy that had that sort of a career, you know, it was like you know, I mean, it was Atlanta, it was Houston, it was LA, and I, I mean, and you said to yourself, dude, like what? He was in Philly, and like, dude, like now. It's with the Lakers again. So for me, you got you got streaks like that, or you know, like I, one of the top few big men, and you you can't stay on a team. I it's mean, amazing. I mean, Kevin, look, the fact, listen, Dan Ugla is somewhere saying if you're gonna talk about, like, think no, about I did not, that. I did not plan on bringing up Dan Ugla. All great today. players that's come through the Braves. He has the longest hitting streak in Braves history. <laughs> it might be. I don't. I mean, I think it's Atlanta Braves. I don't know if it's the entire Braves, but I mean, still, that's a month. You went a month plus without without not getting on base. 30. You were getting a slap every game. That's pretty good. That but, is impressive. But, but, no, no, no. What it really is, like you said, how do you go from that to that? Yeah, how do you go from 33 to I haven't hit in 33 games? I mean, I don't know. It's, I, it, in the words of Jamie Foxx, from sugar to <laughs> don't hate the player, <laughs> hate the game. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I mean, that's what it is, right? I'm just, and Kevin, if somebody would, listen, Kevin, think about this. For the million-dollar question, you are a Braves historian. Who has the most hits in Braves history? You mean the longest streak, history? The longest, the longest hitting streak? You would have thought Dan Ugla in a million years. I mean, I knew he had the 33 game, but I didn't know that was the longest. That's just why. You would have been like, Dan Ugla. And then, no, no, no. This is what you would have said, Dan Ugla? I'll take it again. All, all the confetti's coming down. You go, wait up. It's Dan Ugla? Wow. Hey, man. The Braves have done it all, though. They really, really have. When you come on the Braves team, you're coming on to a team that's that's rich in tradition. I mean, Hank, Dale Murphy, uh, uh, Joe Torrey. Didn't Joe Torrey play for the Braves? I think he did. Joe Torrey played for the Braves. Uh, Dave, David Justice, Otis Nixon, Ron Gant. Um, you talk about Freddie Free. You're talking about Ozzy. You talk about uh David Justice and 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 Smokes and you know and Maddox and Avery. Oh my man. I mean, Terry Pendleton, 
Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones. What are we doing, people? Stop playing with us. <laughs> like, when people get to talk about the Braves, man, Dale Murphy had two MVPs. Is there a better player in baseball than Hank? No. I'm just saying, man, we need to stop playing. Dan Ugler, I apologize. 33 history. I mean, I got the longest history in Braves history. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> deal with it. Yeah, yeah, deal with it. Bring me to Braves Legends Weekend. Oh, my God, Kevin. That, Kevin's, that, Kevin's up there broadcast live. Dan Ugler. And Dan, Dan Ugler, he bought the thing. He said, what's up, Dan? He goes, why you got 33 on your chest? Because that's what it is. <laughs> you know what it is. Nobody's ever done it better than me. Do, do, do players even, I sound like an eight-year-old or something. Do guys even have 33 game hit streaks anymore? That's rare. Because guys be swinging for the fences now. Like, guys can care less about getting on base. They're trying to leave the yard. But 33 games? Hey, man. That's pretty good. We'll come back. We'll get you ready for Braves and Giants. No Dan Ugla siding tonight. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 